My name is Grey. And this is Rubbish and Probably a Podcast, a Good Omens commentary podcast where I, someone who has seen the show too many times, and I, someone who only knows the show True Crystal, discuss every single episode of Good Omens. For today's episode, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 6, the very last day for the rest of their lives. Season 1 finale, baby! episode was just okay. Oh yeah, I don't like it. It's fine. Okay, um, cause my friend Reese has watched Good Omens and like has a sibling who is very into Good Omens, so she's well aware of this show and the book and everything. And when I asked her if she watched it like herself, she said, yeah. And that was like the end of it. (laughs) I was very confused because I asked her this when we were like, when we have watched like season three at that point, uh, season three, episode three at that point. And I was mm-hmm. like, how is it that you watch all this and you feel nothing? Like, you, you're not even invested in any way, shape, or form back then or now. And mm. upon watching this episode, I, I understand. Ouch. Like, I feel like the, the only reason why I am this into Good Omens is because I watch it week per week. But if mm-hmm. I watched it, like, you know, like six hours straight and then it ends this way, I'll be like, yeah, I don't really care. Yeah. Which is such a brutal takedown of this episode. But, like, I really don't care. <laughs> you have told yeah. me this many times. Yeah. I think that this does a pretty bad job at resolving the Apocalypse and Adam plot, especially because they cut a lot of, I'd say, the most important lines in the book. Mm. Um, But, I mean, like, Aziraphale literally smiled. So, like... <laughs> Maybe this is, like, great writing, and everyone should download Ekoja, so... Well, it well may be. It's just... It's not... It doesn't... Well, like, it resolves stuff, but not in any way that... Not well. That, like, um... You know, like, particularly touched me or anything. Mm-hmm. And even the Azuraphil and Crowley stuff... They're, you know, like... They they went through this super enormous thing together. And then it mm-hmm. ends and it's like they're just back to who they were before. You know, like, even if, like, oh, the world doesn't even know that, like, this thing happened and people forgot and people think that everything was just in their imagination or whatnot. Like, Crowley mm-hmm. and Azurfil, no? And it should change them somehow. And, like, I understand that, like, um, this episode is, like, they, they were packing a lot into it. They were... It wasn't just Crowley and Aziraphale's story that they were wrapping up. They're wrapping yeah, up. Yeah, they know, had to do too. terrible things to other women. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I understand that they didn't have the time. But, like, nothing happened last episode. Yeah. And, like, I understand that, like, you know, when you're, when you're doing a TV show, every episode has to have, like, a thing. And then, et cetera, et cetera. So, like... Oh, whatever. You get what I mean. It's just, it feels like both rushed and like also that nothing happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. such a hater. But I mean, I did. No, I, I enjoyed this is it. really good it. news for me in season two. That's what I'm <laughs> holding on to. I look yeah. forward to us both being absolute despisers of season two and driving away our entire listener base. <laughs> you know, also, you know what I said? Like, I kept on saying it pretty much ever since our season three episode where I kept saying, 
are you sure that Neil Gaiman did not plan a season two at all? Like, are you so fucking positive? Like, it's impossible. It's impossible that there was not a season two in mind. Uh-huh. He kept saying it. There yeah. was not a season two in mind. <laughs> there was not that. a season two in mind. Absolutely, Absolutely not. So, yeah, I believe you now. I'm sorry for ever doubting you, my good friend, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, my good friend, Gray. Yeah. Oh, I have to read the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hit oh. us with the fandom wiki summary. Gray, go. Armageddon arrives and Adam must choose between fathers with a little help Ooh. from Azuraphale and Crowley. That is not what it's fucking happened. Bad fucking Like, summer. it is what happened, but, like, it wasn't. <laughs> Anathema chooses whether she wants to be a descendant. Shadow wonders how many nipple strings she has, and dog breaks through a hedge. What? I, okay, no. Okay. I don't. The, people like did fan, this for God free bless. on the internet to help us. <laughs> but wow, I wouldn't. I would have written something different on free on the internet to help us. This episode is not fine. I mean, it's fun, but it's fine. But it like. I don't know. I'm a I hater. I would have cut out the body swap stuff in order to give Adam his book lines back. Hmm. Well, is is there no body swap in in the book? No. Neil Gaiman was just like he 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 he. <laughs> I talked with Mark Gatiss, and he was like, "People love when you act like you're smart." And, I, and Neil Gaiman was like, I know exactly how to act like I'm smart. And then he did this. And it's fun the first go around. And then the next go around, you're like, I don't think that actually works so well. So, yeah. What do you mean the next yeah. go around? Like the first time you watch and you don't know, you're like, gasp, it gads, etc. And then the second time, okay, fine. The second time you're like, it's so fun how Xerophil's great at playing Crowley and Crowley's only mid at playing Xerophil because it actually shows <laughs> the opposite thing about the acting abilities of David Tennant and Michael Sheen. And then, like, the third time you're like, ugh, I wish they'd save this time for something else. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does mm-hmm. matter. But, it's, like... I think it's because it just feels emotionally incomplete for in the book for them just to go... I think they'll leave us alone just because they're embarrassed about what happened at the airbase. And then they just go yeah. back to their lives. So, like, of I understand course. this as, like, everyone, like, being like, well, no one's gonna believe that they're gonna be left alone unless we do something. But, like, I mean, I don't, there could have just been a prophecy that was, like... And you two will be fine and also make out all the time. Like, I don't think we needed to waste, like, 15 minutes on this or whatever. Yeah. Well, we did, though. So. We did. And, like, I did not have fun about it. I just wish that there was better resource management. We open in hell. Dagon, Haster, Beelzebub, and this... Usher demon who you described as Jabba the Hutt? I don't know who that is. Is I that described... like a Star Wars? Didn't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, we have to say that. I watched this episode, most of it, well, half of it, I guess, while I was on a call with Crystal, so. Yeah, but I was like muted or whatever. Yeah, Crystal already has some knowledge of how I f- think, feel about the first few scenes at the very least. Ja- so... I'll check that. Is Jabba the Hutt? 
a real fu- yes yeah that's Google like it. a star wars guy or something yeah he does look like jabba the hot except jabba the hot is like larger so this this dude's like a mini jabba the hot yeah yeah okay so baby jabba they're all entering <laughs> a courtroom in hell hell and yeah. crowley gets brought in with hands bound in front of him Wearing a jacket, a tie, and a lot of chest hair. Hell yeah. The usher announces that this is the trial of the demon Crowley, beginning with evidence and ending with utter obliviation. So, Crowley comes in looking like, you know, the coolest guy around and is like, Hey guys, nice place you've got here. Could do with some houseplants. Maybe a coffee table. So, okay, Gray and I are not going to pretend that we don't know the twist, so... Okay, this is a zero fail. And isn't it so nice that, like, he, like, went to Crowley's place for the first time ever last night, and he was like, quick, what are some details? (laughs) Aw. He's doing such a good job playing Crowley, like, the hey guys, the, like, nonchalant, whatever the fuck. I, and, like, I don't think he ever would have witnessed Crowley interacting with hell unless they had their own like 1800 bookshop chocolate scene they probably spent a lot of time coaching each other and also Aziraphale's a good actor better than Crowley good for him yeah Aziraphale would have slayed it in the theater yeah shit there's actually a fic where Aziraphale plays Hamlet it is the play is the thing by volunteer FD um, I guess I would I would recommend the first chapter if you if you want a laugh spelled L A F F. Crowley next is like So there's four of us here, Rubber of Bridge, Barbershop Quartet. Zerfield's so having so much fun. So Beelzebub is the judge, Haster is the prosecutor, and Dagon is just here in case there's anything Crowley did that they all forgot. This may be um, the first is this the one? Is this the first like time we see Dagon? Because I know we see Dagon, kind of in episode one, but like that's just voice. Yeah, I think this is the first time we see him. Amazing look! I love it. Yeah, it's like what, like gold and silver scales on the face. Yes, some and kind of like maybe like marine ponytail. creature is the inspiration. Yeah. yeah, yeah, seems like it. Isn't it so fascinating that like. All of them have, like... Like, why is Crowley, like, basically, like... Oh, uh, Crowley has the eyes. I completely forgot. Yeah, Crowley has the eyes, but... Yeah. No, I mean, people have talked about how, like... All the other demons got, like, way more visible stuff. And Satan mm-hmm. was like, Crowley, my specialist little girl. I will give you these be- big, beautiful yellow serpent doe <laughs> eyes. And let you live out on Earth drinking wine for the rest of your days. <laughs> while everyone else tortures each other in a damp basement. Beelzebub loses the flies buzzing around them and, like, on the Earth. blood on the face yeah. on Earth. So, yeah, yeah but Crowley doesn't get any more demon-y you. looking yeah. in hell, so... Dunno. I mean that would be that would be fun if that, that was the case, fun. I feel. Yeah. 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 She gets some more snake scales. They didn't even give her a fucking serpent tongue, like a split tongue. 
I know. I know. That could have been it. You guys, that could have been it. The book says that Crowley could do really weird things with their tongue, and I would have liked to see it. Beelzebub says that they built this place specially for Crowley. And he goes, guys, you shouldn't have gone to all the trouble. What appears to be the problem? And then we get really fast zoom back until we're back to Crowley's arrival at the airbase. It's a different part of Bohemian Rhapsody, that place. This time it's just the one that goes, oh yeah, oh yeah, which, yeah, (laughs) well, maybe so. Maybe. Um, And, you know, we see what happens before where he and Aziraphale greet each other. You know, I am so sad that we didn't even mention in the last episode the way Crowley is walking, which is so beautifully. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, 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 the hips are really not lying today. Yeah. I, was it you who said that, like, David Tennant read the script and saw that Crowley could, um, saunters and took that to heart and committed to the bit I so think hard? That you know was what? probably a Wonderful. post or something that you saw. Is it? No, oh, I don't it think me. I said it. I think I said that he saw that Crowley was a snake once and was like, and t- t- committed to that bit. Let us Google, let us search the word saunter in our messages. Okay. Oh, there's nothing. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I guess I was right and Sauntered. you were wrong. There's absolutely, I can't believe we've never said the word saunter. The snake, the word snake also doesn't have anything, though. Damn. Well, there are some interesting messages with the word snake, <laughs> but there's nothing about David Tennant's hips. Once more, they and Aziraphale greet each other. They're like, leave it to me about the army human. All cool. And then, like, their leave it to me is just to try to say something nice, but really awkwardly. Etc. Uh, and then the them rush by on bikes. In that moment of confusion, when Crowley's no longer concentrating on the Bentley, it blows up! Bye, baby. Go rap goes anyway. The wind blows mournfully over it. And Crowley's so sad about this. She, like, sinks to her knees in front of the Bentley and goes... 90 years and not a scratch. Now look at you. Is this not a scratch? Like, there were many scratches, but they were all miracled off. Because, like, we did see her crash her car, like, four episodes ago. Or, like, did Crowley actually take good enough care of this car? I think, I think good enough care, yeah. Oh, well, sorry, Crowley. You had it from new. So, yeah. Aziraphale's coming over, panicking about that soldier with the gun, and is, like, not letting Crowley have their moment. Like, yelling at him to do something. I am the nice one. You can't expect me to do the dirty work. What a fucking brat. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you just had your moment in heaven when... You were told that you couldn't possess a body, and you went, 
demons can, and then went down and possessed a body. Like, you can't be back to this, can you? Aziraphale, babe, come on. Crowley says, I am having a moment here. And she is. And eventually, Aziraphale just disappears the guard. Which you found very amusing during your first watch. Yeah. While Shadwell's pointing his exorcism finger at him. So Shadwell once again thinks that this is his doing. God, I hate him so much. Every time I saw him, I was like, I don't want this guy to be here. He didn't even shoot at him. That's all he was good for, and he didn't even do it. Eventually, Crowley gets up, sees that there's a bunch of jeeps full of soldiers coming at them, and goes... Oh, okay, I need to get over the car thing. I'll deal with them. And also picks up the tire iron that fell from the Bentley when it exploded. Souvenir! I think that Crowley's just like a souvenir girl, you know? Yeah. Like In the Philippines, I... we call them Anik Anik girlies. <laughs> and it's like girls who ha- like to have Anik Anik, which is, uh, you know, stuff. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Crowley is very much an anik anik girly. For real. Yeah, I mean, his flat is pretty minimalist. So, like, we don't see a lot of the souvenirs, but, like, everything that is in his flat seems to have sentimental value, what with the Mona Lisa and the eagle lectern and all that. And I think there's, like, certain fix where. They have, like, a storage unit with the rest of their souvenirs in it. I feel like they keep something from everyone that's important to them. So, a corny-ass thing where Aziraphale's like, we are here to lick some serious butt, and Crowley's like, it's kick butt, Aziraphale. Which, what, what's the point? What's the point? And of also, any like of the this? whole like, oh, for heaven's sake! And it's like, ooh, yeah. I can't believe I, I just can't said, believe that. I said that. So corny. Well, I feel like, well, I mean, Crowley does make a point to like swap all the heavens and hells and common sayings. Yeah, and gods I, I, I've and always thought that was fun. So, like, I've always thought that was fun. I think that this makes sense to point it out because later, Aziraphale in heaven does say, "For heaven's sake!" And it's like, oh, fun, like. Crowley's continuing that thing. I guess so. (laughs) I guess so. Uh, I need to be less of a hater. Well, you know, be yourself. Yeah, just be straight up bro. Just be straight up bro. Arby Tyler tells Mr. Young, Hey, by the way, Adam and them are going over to that airbase, and probably they're gonna be in big trouble don't blame me if your son starts World War Three. Teehee hoo hoo, teehee hoo hoo. <laughs> and we get the theme song. Do we? Don't we get it after the car explosion? No. Okay. No. Neil Gaiman thought he was so funny for going. Don't blame me if he starts World War Three. He was like, people are really going to be sitting with that, being like, damn, Neil Gaiman, how'd you do it for three minutes? God. Congrats to the Writers Guild of America, by the way. Anyway, back to this. 
<laughs> I'm not going to say the full thing I said about that. There are more important things than Neil Gaiman getting to log off now. So, we return, and the theme song sort of transforms into, like, an old western version of the theme song continued from the actual theme, which I thought was fun. And we show, like, the them standing off against the horsemen's bikes. And then we go to Anuthma inside the communications hub. As they're peeking around the corner, they see the four horsemen there, and Anathema sees their auras, which are, as she says, like black holes. Back to back to the them, we get we get shots of like each of their eyes with the horsemen that they're paralleled with looking yeah. at each other. It's still very old western, very fun. We also get a shot of Adam's socks above his boots. Yeah. Which I have claimed outside of this podcast to be one of my favorite um this character like design um detail. Yeah. Outside of Aziraphale and Curly. Yeah. It's it, I like it. It's nice. The it's little fun. socks are peeking out of his little shoes. Yeah, and they're like bunched up on the top. That's fun. Yeah. We didn't even point out last episode that the horsemen were like crying their color, which I oh, thought was yeah. really cool. And like yeah. it's really it like so th- I I find it nice that like they were like, oh, this is their last, you know, the last showdown or whatever. We need to change their getup a little bit. Like, we need to change their look a little bit. But they can't do mm. really anything. So they just did the tears and it's, like, splattered all over their face. And, like, I like that. Yeah. I think it's a cool yeah. look. And also, like, Famine's teeth elongated and got really yeah. sharp last episode. A little sharpie cool. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, their, like, true selves are leaking through their human forms or whatever. It's fun. Inside the communications hub, Anathema Newt here, people in a bunch of different countries panicking and talking about how, are you sure this is a good idea? There's nuclear strike orders implemented against Belgium, etc., etc. We can't do the override. All that shit. So, we go out and death is doing most of the talking and he's telling Adam like oh the world is going to end and it's because you were born or you exist and Adam's like well I didn't ask for it to start he kind of did though like he kind of did like he took he it back did. but he kind of did no I mean yeah but like like if if Adam was like a completely human you know kid even if he was like oh my god the world should end because i'm so miserable because yeah nobody's downloading yeah Yeah. like it's not like it's going to cost you know this kind of yeah uh, armageddon so i get what he's trying to say like but he did ask (laughs) yeah adam you did ask (laughs) and then we see azurphil and in madam tracy crowley and shadwell in a fucking like like military truck it's not a truck it's like a little like like a jeep thing but without a top yes like it looks yes. like the f- they're giving like theme park tour guide but like not even yeah. a vehicle big enough like to be a theme court. park tour guide <laughs> golf court golf cart yes like yeah, it looks golf like a golf cart, cart. just yeah. like benedict and much ado about nothing yeah. <laughs> 
That's true. I miss him so much. I miss Benedict so much also. They all get out get out of the golf cart. And uh, <laughs> and Crowley just, you know, goes, That's him and points at Adam. It's like, oh yeah, shoot him and then you'll save the world and all of that. Shadow sees the kid and goes, Well, that's a kid. I'm not gonna <laughs> Shoot a kid, and Aziraphale is just like, oh, for fuck's sake! You know, he says, for heaven's sake, and then gets the gun from Shadow and starts mm-hmm. pointing it to the kid. And I start cheering, clapping, screaming, right. going, "Shoot that kid! Shoot!" And you know what? He fucking dies. He shoots yeah. that fucking kid, baby. <laughs> and like, what happens is that he goes for the kill. Madam Tracy is like, no. And <laughs> Aziraphale hesitates a bit and asks Crowley for guidance. And Crowley was like, yeah, just shoot the kid. <laughs> so Aziraphale shoots the kid. But Madam Tracy, God bless, she mm. swerves the gun so that it doesn't hit Adam. Yeah. And, you know, Adam you know- notices that there are, in fact, two people in. Madam Tracy, so he was like, yeah, I don't like that. Separate yourselves. And so, Aziraphale is back to being Michael Sheen. Yeah, in his fun outfit that he's always in. I will say that after all of the emotional buildup about Crowley being against killing kids. Killing children. (laughs) And all that shit. (laughs) This is mostly played for laughs. Which is fine, but, like, why all the build-up about, like, you kill him, no, you kill him, I refuse to do it, no, like, you blah, 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 and then this is just, like, okay, it means nothing that Aziraphale pulled the trigger. <laughs> like, later, whenever he's talking to Adam, and Adam's just like, yeah, this is a normal guy I want in my life, like, he tries to kill you! <laughs> At the end of this episode, it's like nothing happened. (laughs) Nothing changed. And they're just back to how they were, what I assume how they were like, pre-Adam being delivered to Earth, you know? And it's just, it's a bit frustrating because like, look at this. Like later, Aziraphale literally threatens to never talk to Crowley ever again. Crowley asks Aziraphale to run away to Alpha Centauri and Aziraphale refuses. You know, like so many shit happen. And it's like even this, like in this episode, it's portrayed as silly and like funny and like, oh my god, Aziraphale shoots a kid, but it doesn't work. It's like this should have been like a bigger deal. Yeah. In the book, he doesn't pull the trigger. Huh. Yeah. So, it's more okay that I think they go back to normal so fast, but, yeah, it seems mm-hmm. like it should matter that he did. Well, you know what? In every episode of Supernatural, Sam or Dean pulls the trigger, and then they go back to normal afterwards. <laughs> well, that's different. But, you know that's different. Yeah, it is. It's just so incredibly funny to me that... For most of this podcast, I've been saying, Aziraphale should shoot that kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he does, and it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter. It doesn't. Yeah. They've been building it up. Fucking they building really it up. They have. They yeah. did not build it up so much in the book. 
I don't know. I think it's like Good Omens thinks that it's a comedy, like, first and foremost. But, like, I understand that it's a drama about the most important love story of all time. So, like, sometimes those things come into conflict. It's fine. I'm not that offended by it. It's just... Well, yeah. a bit yeah. of a letdown. Yeah. Yeah. God, Crowley was so funny for when Aziraphale was like, maybe we should wait. And then she went, what, until he grows up? <laughs> so true, baby girl. Also, I'd say after okay, after they separate, like, Aziraphale and Madame Tracy look at each other kind of awkwardly. And then Madame Tracy, yeah. like, run, like, hightails it back to Shadwell and is, like, holding on his arm or standing behind him or something. Like, okay, sure, <laughs> whatever. whatever. God, I hate Neil Gaiman. Also, I want to say that Aziraphale throughout this entire portion, mm. in the entire airbase scene, as Michael Sheen, don't you feel like he's acting so differently? Um, I mean, he is, he is in a, he is in a combat situation, basically. No, exactly. That's my point. Like, I find it so interesting because after I watched this, I went back to, because I was thinking, right, like, most of what we're seeing Aziraphale asked recently is a lot of tense situations, you know, lots of nervousness and stuff. Mm. So what I did was I went back to episode one. Yeah. To look at him, like, before things really went quote you know bad mm-hmm. but like he doesn't act like this either you know so like yeah. i think it's so fascinating that i don't know maybe it's a script thing you've read the script tell me if it's a script thing but also i think like michael sheen decided that like a zero fail in this moment where it really it really is like do or die will act mm. this way i find that so fascinating i yeah. am still holding out whether i think it's in character, oh, whatever. But well, you know I, I, I what Will Wood says about that. No, yeah, exactly. I've been thinking about about what I said in that episode. That like, yeah, when you're in these kinds of things, you will act out of character. And you know what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also find it fascinating that I mean, we'll talk about it later. But in the bus stop scene, he's mm-hmm. back. That's a zero yeah. fail, you know. Yeah. So like, this entire scene. It's like, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's acting so weird. But, like, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, I sure hope he does. <laughs> you know? But also, it makes him so hot. Go as Raphael. Go as Raphael. So, uh, we go to Anathema and you. Ugh. Everybody knows how I feel about this. But mm. um, they're sitting there and they figured out that the world is going to explode and die. So... And Anathema's like, oh, I don't know what we need to do. So she goes and checks a prophecy. And what she picks up is, he's not what he says he is. Agnes, you aren't even trying. Uh, news kind of like starts shifting uncomfortably. And Anathema's like, oh, what is it? And he reveals that like, Oh, it's maybe about me. I'm not a computer engineer. I just want to be, but like, I'm actually really, really shit at computers. Um, every time I try to do something, it like the computer explodes and dies. So I can't believe that after this, they were still like, Oh no, we can't do anything. <laughs> so 
stupid. It does drag on for a pretty long time. It drags on Especially so because long. when you think about it, like, the only point of his character was to have this unexplained gimmick so that he could touch a computer for one second in the finale. The way everything comes together is so... Like, it's fine. But, like, come on. What are we supposed yeah. to learn from this, you know? I mean, I not not everything has to have a moral. Sometimes well, something can just be funny. But, like, yeah. Newt is not funny. So he <laughs> needs a fucking moral. So I don't know what the moral is. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah I'm just kidding, I, mostly. But God, yeah. I hate this guy. <sighs> well, don't we all? We're back to the fucking horseman. <laughs> and Adam is like... <laughs> And Adam is saying, like, oh, you know, all of these people, they're, they're just in your head. And then, like, we zoom out, and it's a war. Brandishing the sword. And Doing, the sword like, is on little fire. tricks. Yeah. The, the sword is on fire, right? And, like, I feel like if I was one of the four children in this scene, and I saw this random adult just doing, like, sword tricks... I'd be like, you're so fucking cool. What the fuck is this? No, I would be like, what is this? What are you doing? And she's delivering some kind of monologue. Like, sorry, I don't have any change on me, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. And she is delivering some kind of worst dialogue Neil Gaiman has ever done in his life. Like, I just, I don't know how someone can be this annoying. Or just, I, like, like, I want a list of every single editor, every single person who ever looked at this script, and if there's a single person who's not a cis man on there, I will be gagged. Like, show these words to anyone with a basic understanding of gender, which Neil clearly doesn't when he says things like trans in the Tumblr sense. And, like, (laughs) tell me that they wouldn't, like, put a big red pen through all of it. I mean, okay. Because the thing is, the way this portion ends is with Pepper brandishing the sword. Yeah. And going, I believe in peace, bitch. Which I actually did quite like. That was fun. I love Pepper. That specific line, I liked. Mm. The way it led to that line was (laughs) so stupid. It was so... that It removes the, like... It removes some value from that line. Do you know under... Okay, here's what is said. Yeah, because it's not... About peace, it's just about war being sexist. No, exactly. So here's the fucking line. War is just over there brandishing the sword, going, um, little toy, little, what was it? Little, little boys boy. with your toys. I am war. You were made to serve me, to live in yeah. me, and to die in and me. Die in me. And then, like, Pepper says, like, oh, my mom says that war is just a masculine imperialism executed on a global stage. And uh, war, like, looks at her, points the uh, sword at her, it goes, a little girl, girl. run home and play with your dollies, little girl. Little girl. Like, what? <laughs> what is this? What? What is this? Thing? Huh? Huh? What is, what is this, this about? 
war being a woman is about the seductiveness of war and, like, how, like, that mostly appeals to men and men are usually the ones being drafted to fight in wars. Yeah. I guess, right? Though, I mean, like, at this point, like... We're 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 getting more diversity wins about that. So sure, it's are. weird that war is sort of stuck in an earlier era regarding this. And also, like, what? Like, I wouldn't say that the main thing about war is that it's exclusion. It excludes women. From it, like, I wouldn't say that's the thing I would focus on. Also, like, with... think about it this way, right? Like, yeah. what, what, what War is saying is like, oh, boys want war, whatever. And Pepper is going, I don't want war. And, uh, <laughs> War is going, well, you're a girl, so go back with your dolls anyway. So when Pepper says, eventually, I believe in peace, bitch, like, that doesn't. Actually, what? what's the line? Go against the any of here? the what? ideas that war is eschewing. Yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah, this is this is the point in the episode where I go, oh, it's bad. What <laughs> <laughs> is bad, you guys? <laughs> like when this started happening, and I realized that Anathema and Newt are gonna be by each other's side for long, for longer yeah. than I anticipated. Yeah. I was like, oh guys, I don't like this. I don't like this, you guys. Yeah. It's so it's it's pretty bad. And also because, you know, the entire entire show is mm. based on hyping up the this, this yep. portion, right? Yes. If it's like anticlimactic, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If they do it but well. They need to know that it's anticlimactic. Yes. If it's anticlimactic, there needs to be you know, you need to do it all. Oh, and I wouldn't even say that it's anticlimactic necessarily, just that it's stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. the, the, like, she steps on War's foot and War drops the sword and she's 11. How hard can she stomp? Oh, you'll be surprised. Fair. Like, I feel like, I feel like kids are not aware about how much things hurt. Right. And how much they are so. capable of hurting people. Mm. So they'll just put their heart and soul into everything that they do. Like, yeah. they'll punch you and they'll punch you really hard because they're not aware that, like, when you're punching them, that's, like, you're you're doing a soft one. So mm. they're like, I'm doing the best I can and it's going yeah. to hurt as much as you when you're doing the soft one on me, so... Yeah, I I, I I get this. Yeah. Um, regarding your issue with Pepper's line, they cut. This isn't a great line, but I think it sort of addresses what you said. Where before yeah. she does the, before she says all the rest of that stuff, she says like, "I can play with dolls or not play with dolls, just as I can play with swords or not play with swords." But war is stupid. So, at least that was a bit clearer. It's not good, yeah, though. Yeah, it's yeah. not a good line. I get why they cut it. Yeah. Anyway, picks up this sword and, like, doesn't necessarily stab War, just, like, points it in War's direction. Yeah, she catches and on fire. she says, you know... And explodes and dies. Yeah, she says, I believe in peace, bitch, and then explode and die. Then Pepper drops the sword. She also says that they're Adam's real friends, oh, which yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess is important. At this point, as Pepper drops the sword, 
I watched the episode and I'm laughing so hard, guffawing. Yeah, and I'm still on the Zoom. Yeah, Crystal's still on the Zoom. And I go, Jesus Christ, did say how she beat war? What, is the next kid gonna pick up the sword and go, I believe in a clean earth, everybody download a kosha and then pollution will die? And guess what? Guess fucking what? Um, Brian, right? Brian picks yep. up the sword and mm-hmm. goes, I believe in a clean world. The pollution just fucking disintegrates. Yep. Just melts into a puddle of oil. Yeah. Wow. I think it's also that the Brian actor is not very good. Like, I was not as annoyed when Wensley did the same thing to Famine, but I feel like Brian was trying too hard. Yeah, because when 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 um when Wensley did it, it's like, yeah, this kid believes in food and a healthy lunch. (laughs) Yeah. I believe in that. Yeah, and then I like that he goes, actually, it's a very good thing. Yeah, he's cute. Yeah. Well, have you even mentioned the fact that this is the flaming sword? Well, they don't mention it until after until here, Wensley, yeah. so I was going to bring it up then. Yeah, anyway, Azurfil uh, and Crowley are watching this, and Crowley just goes, wait, isn't that your sword? Yep. And, yeah. Well, Boom. I... No? No? I like it. I like that Heaven and Gabriel asked Aziraphale about it so many times, which means that they didn't know that it was, like, part of the plan, which shows, like, which I think, like, foreshadows how they were able to be so easily taken in by Aziraphale being like, oh, but is the ineffable plan the same thing as the great plan? Because, like, they outsourced that shit, and they don't know all the details, and they don't know that this was Aziraphale's sword, and I also love that it shows, like, the double-edgedness of Aziraphale's first act of kindness and how introducing the idea of danger to the humans via kicking them out of the garden and then introducing the idea of protection to them also introduces the idea of violence and that this has, like, been here the whole time. Isn't that- is that not fun at all? Yeah, but this sword sucks. It's It doesn't look good in any way. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. And we also talked about whether or not giving the sword away was a test, and if Aziraphale passed, and I feel like that answers the question, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, okay, I'm I'm being swayed to your area. Like, fine, Thank you. it's cool that this is the sword. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, it's fine. I mean, it doesn't look very cool, but I mean. I do like that when you look at the details of it, the metal of it is sort of, like, charred and has, like, bits of coal and shit stuck to it, whereas, like, before it was a lot more immaculate, because it's like, mm-hmm. look at the passage of it's time. Been used. Look yeah. at the way that it's been corrupted as well by, like, war and, like, human desires. In that neat? hmm Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm defending this show. It may well be. May well be. Dog also helps take Famine down with Wensley, which I think is cute. Oh yeah! The fucking dog! It was cute. I don't even know what my gripes are. I mean, I, I said the pepper stuff. But it's like, just very underwhelming. I mean, that's the thing with, like, hyping anything up. And, like, you know, journey, not the destination, blah, blah, blah. But 
specifically like this scene uh, at first I was like as I said I was laughing about how like I thought it was so stupid and then upon talking to Crystal you said um what's well, nice that, you know they're 11 years old it's like such a child destroying the yeah the evil monsters under the bed sort of thing it's a very yeah. fairy tale approach to it yeah. and that makes sense given that that is like what they believe is yeah. true about the world and I guess later on, when it is revealed that it kind of is like the world becomes what Adam believes it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, like, this makes sense. It isn't just because they brandished the sword, it's because they yeah, believed the in it and Adam really is there. Matter. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I want to say is that, okay, the horsemen are gone. What does that mean for the world? I don't think they actually died. I think it just means that they're not summoned anymore. They're probably just gonna go back to having their regular jobs. Ah, okay. But, but why I, does I guess death, death say Yeah, death like, does say that they have returned to the minds of man, so they probably have lost their physical forms for a little while, but like, I don't think that actually means that they, that there isn't gonna be war or famine or anything anymore. I think it just yeah, means but then that what's the point of having the fucking horsemen in the first place? Just to summon the apocalypse. I mean, once they like take strong physical form and have their objects, like I'm assuming that they are able to enact more direct damage to the earth. Yeah, when they return to the minds of man, they're just more like a, a low grade evil thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. imagine centuries, millennia. Of just being like, I'm here for this one thing. And then you get there and you're so bad at it. It's unreal. <laughs> yeah. They really are losers. Yeah. Yeah. I think Every adult in this fucking show is a loser. Yeah. What you said about, you know, the world being what Adam believes and stuff did make me appreciate yeah. the book version of the scene a bit more. Because what each of the kids, I think, I didn't really realize that you would like read it as just like the power of the sword. But, like, yeah, no, that it does sort of just look like the power of the sword. But, like, in the book, each of them makes, like, out of, like, sticks and, like, leaves and stuff, they make their own, like, kid version of the item that the horseman has. So, like, a stick sword and, like, daisy crown or whatever for pollution and stuff. And then they use that as weapons against the horsemen, and I think that comes across a lot better. Yeah. Because it is just, like, they're kids, and this is what they believe. I think, yeah, yeah, the one nice thing about this is just that, like, Hell always planned for Warlock to be alone when the horsemen arrived, and, like, Adam could not face them on his own, so it's nice that, like, he grew up by himself, and he had friends and was chill, so they're, like, doing yeah. this together. Good for him. But yeah, it's stupid. And I wish that there was... Okay, like, okay, the Pepper I Believe in Peace thing, that's... There's been some build-up for that, sure. But, like, it's just... I feel like there wasn't enough character work on the kids to make me believe that this is a strongly held feeling that they have, especially with Brian regarding believing in a clean world. Like, yeah. does he... <laughs> Okay. No, the thing is, I here's the thing. Like, I believe in peace. Is this not equate believing in a clean world? 
You, do you know what I mean? Like, I believe in mm. peace is like, I don't want war to happen. I believe that peace is good. But like, uh-huh. I believe in a clean world is like, there's no pollution. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why it sounds so stupid when you say it like that. Like, no, I believe in food and a healthy lunch. Mm. It falls more in the category of the I believe in peace thing. But like, I believe in a clean world sounds so stupid. Um, yeah. Also, like, I think there is some build-up for Wensley, because he does talk about lunch quite a bit, right? That's true, he really does want to yeah. go for lunch. Yeah, very delicious and very healthy lunch at home. Yeah. Later in all the shots, like, Brian's standing off to the fucking edge, like, he's not even in shot for most of the rest, <laughs> even though, like, Pepper and Wensley are in the background all the time. So, like, they really did not give a shit about that kid. <laughs> Anyway, we go to hell, and Bill, Zebub, and Dagan are, like, up front. All the demons are there. They're all waiting for the signal to go on Earth and start the apocalypse. <laughs> I, I love this scene. I love it. Um, Bill, Zebub tells Dagan to encourage the troops, so he does. And he goes, like, um, so, you guys, we... We're going to fight against the army of angels. And all of you were angels once. And we fought in this glorious revolution. And we lost. <laughs> but that was then. And we have a thousand years to get tougher. Tougher. Yeah, he's trying to do the thing where it's like, I say a word and you say it back to me. So it's like, tougher, smarter, smarter. and more dangerous. More dangerous. <laughs> And it sounds so funny. I quite, like, you know, I am a bit of sad that we don't see Dagon before this. I think Dagon's yeah. so fine. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty cool. Lord of the Files. Lord of the Files, baby. Beelzebub stops this whole commotion, though, and says that something is wrong. Because the apocalypse is, in fact, not happening. So we mm. go back to Anathema, and you, Anathema just goes like, well, if... Every time you fix a computer, it destroys itself. Why don't you try fixing this so it'll destroy itself? And he does, and it works. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is an accurate summary of it. That is the fucking punchline to the entire build-up. The whole thing. Yeah, Death is like over there standing by himself. And he goes, yeah, it's not gonna happen, you guys. Not gonna die. And then... He disappears. Okay, I he says, good day, gentlemen. And then Madam Tracy says, cheek. And Pepper says, cheek. Is that because he said gentlemen and they're the two women who are in the scene at the time? Like, is that what that was about? I don't, I didn't read it as that, I guess. What did you read it as? Just like, oh, like he's being full of himself by saying that he'll never yeah. die? Yeah. Okay. I hope it was that. But I But like I mean, it's weird that they were the two that said chic. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. get what you mean. I mean I hope it wasn't that, but like I that hope that's not would the sure be crazy. <laughs> Neil Gaiman <laughs> is just like, oh these supernatural beings are sexless and they don't understand gender, but also death is sexist. <laughs> like war yeah. is also sexist, but I get that she was an invention of humanity, but death can not be sexist right like that's actual death yeah death disappears 
ugly-ass visuals. There's, like... Oh, by the way, we haven't been talking about the god narrations. They're stupid. It doesn't matter. Like, we already know everything. It's like, yeah, yeah, the them are facing off against the horsemen. I can see it on my TV screen, god. Anyway, Aziraphale is, you know, having fun. He is quite happy. Like, oh my god, you see... It's over. He says, it's just, it's as I've always said. Which, bro, you did not, you are not always saying this. You tried to shoot an 11-year-old <laughs> five minutes ago. Literally. You were not saying this. You didn't say any of it. <laughs> yeah. Curly, it's a bit more um, apprehensive because, you know, heaven and hell still want to duke it out. So she goes to Adam and says, yeah, you know, good job for saving the world, etc. But it won't make a difference because, you know, they still want their war. And then Nathema comes out and Newt is also there. And she sees Crowley and Aziraphale and she's like, oh my god, you guys stole my book. Crowley throws the book back at her. And I don't know. There's like a little... A thing that falls out. Yeah. Flies down. A prophecy scrap. Yeah. Aziraphale catches it. God, Aziraphale looks so good this episode. Good for him. Anathema asks, like, the situation. And at first, Crowley and Aziraphale are like, no, we're not. We're not. It's too long. But she's like, no, come on. And Aziraphale starts from the <laughs> very beginning. And He's starts so talking cute. about, like, oh, like, in the garden, there was a... Well, well he, he was, was a wily, wily old, old servant. servant. Oh, and I was technically on apple tree duty. On apple fucking tree duty. He's so cute. And the whole time Crowley's so looking at him like, man, are you serious? And then at the end sort of goes like, shh, and like does like the, the choir director gesture to shut your mouth. And I think that they're so cute and also in love. And speaking of in love, God, um, Adam asks if, you know, Anathema stopped the blowing up the world shit. And she goes, yeah, my boyfriend helped <gasps> me. What if we just all died forever? While watching this episode, yeah, I tried to examine my heart and soul. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe I'm judging you too harshly. And maybe I shan't. Like, maybe I should accept love in my heart or whatever. <laughs> and then I woke up the next day and I decided that I shall never accept <laughs> youth ever in my life. Do any of these people show up in season two? I doubt it. I don't think it's that kind of sh- season. Mm. You'll see, I suppose. <sighs> I hope Newt just disappears forever. God. Just, why Why would Anathema decide this? What m- would make her want this? What is even happening? What, yeah, wh- and like... She's not into him. She isn't. I, I mean, the thing is, I am a firm believer of like... You know, like, sometimes you can't explain love, blah, blah, blah. But, like, this isn't that, you know? This isn't, like, oh, they have this inexplicable connection. It's just that Neil Gaiman is so bad at writing yeah, this. At writing. Like, period. Yeah. So, yeah. I hate it's... it so much. 
much. It's like the it's worst. like oh, there's a guy and there's a girl. Oh my Can god! I make it yeah, any it's more like bad. Uh, it's yeah. so bad, you guys. It's, it's so bad. So... And the worst part is when Pepper looks at Anathema and shakes her head and goes, another deluded victim of the patriarchy. Like, it's so... It just... She... (laughs) Like, it's just such a... It's like a lampshaded, like, oh, I know that you guys are gonna, like, not like this relationship. So I'm just gonna toss this line in to be like, if you don't like this, you're stupid. You're stupid. You're like Pepper saying a stupid sentence. How do you feel about being stupid, huh? Now accept Anuthema into your heart before I kill you. Like, Neil Gaiman, you can just kill me. <laughs> like, this doesn't matter. Except it does, and I'm so mad. No, it's so, I hate it so I much. Just, all of Pepper's things are like, oh, isn't it so funny girl. that this? And yeah, I'm a girl. To say something that a girl would say. Yeah, but it's more like, well, my, it's more like I'm a girl, and my mom is a sociology professor, and I think the the main joke is just supposed to be that she uses big words, but it is just like a, I'm a girl, and I'm against sexism, but I don't actually understand feminism, and everything I say is just to make feminism seem stupid. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Neil Gaiman. And I also don't want to come off as like, I hate straight ships, whatever. What? <laughs> no, that's I mean, a concern of mine. But like, I... It's so bad, though, you guys. Like, if you want me to ship a straight ship, why not make it good? Yeah. If you, you know? want me to ship a straight ship, why not make it not straight? <laughs> yeah. God, they're so yeah. boring. They're so boring and it's stupid. so bad. Like, it's a fun premise. It's literally like a witch and a witch finder, like the descendant of two people who, like, one of them killed the other one. It's a fun concept, and it's just not, it's not doing anything for me due to how it is bad, and how she's, like, literally not into him. And, like, you know, this could, exact same story, but, like, I mean, exact same, like, script, maybe, but, like, they make like, if they checked for, like, oh, do these two actors have chemistry? <laughs> it's just that they also don't. Then don't. Ha- There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So- like, Newt's whole thing is just, like, I'm a nervous virgin, and, like, this is, like, a girl who's hot and in my area. And, like, yeah, sure. And Anathema's just not into him. Into him. <laughs> She's not. She's, She's not, you guys. Is not into him, so I don't get it. Anyway, yeah, she yeah. is literally an aromantic lesbian, and I think part of that is because her actress isn't very good at having chemistry with Newt's actor. But you know what? It gave me my headcanon, and I'm gonna sit <laughs> with that headcanon and curse Neil Gaiman every day. Oh, also, I think the prophecy specifically says, when all is said and all is done, you must choose your faces wisely, for soon enough you will be playing with fire. Alright, so, Gabriel and Beelzebub appear out of- well, Gabriel's a lightning bolt, and Beelzebub rises from the ground, and Beelzebub's earth look- different from their hell one there's no blood on the face 
Um, and there's, like, a very fun, like, furry fly hat thing. Gabriel looks the same as ever. By the way, I have a question. Because, like, in heaven, they have gold accents. Does Gabriel have one? I don't think so. Huh. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a fashion thing. So he was just like, not for me. He the gaff. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just found I oh, I like now that I noticed that like oh the only two ones who don't have anything are Gabriel and Azuraphil, and I was trying to think if that means anything. Mm, yeah, I think well, well Gabriel's know, like thing not. is that he has violet eyes. Yeah, like, I suppose that's his his heaven fashion thing. But yeah, you're right. It is a little mm. odd. Also, I know some spoilers from season two. Oh, regarding. Uh, Beelzebub, yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Gabriel, yeah. So, so, first meeting. Is it, are they, like, I mean, t- tell me if, like. If they're compelling in any way, shape, or form, no. What? <laughs> Do the fandom like them? Neil Gaiman literally fucking. I, he needs to log off before he becomes the worst writer <laughs> anyone's ever seen. <laughs> and he's. <laughs> He <laughs> said that when he originally wrote them, there was, like, nothing there. And then he was like, oh, but then I saw, like, the way the fandom reacted to them, and then I was like, oh, that could be interesting, so then I put it in season two. Like, log off! Log <laughs> off! Never darken my Tumblr doorstep anymore! Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Like, oh, you're just gonna make a fandom crack ship cannon. Okay, whatever. Log off! <laughs> but yeah, well, they were they were sort of pair of the spares t- together after season one. I don't, I don't want to disparage anyone who, like, ships them genuinely. Like, go for it. They, it's an interesting concept. And, I mean, they, yeah. they do seem to have, like, a rapport that could be built up after this. Live your life. Neil Gaiman, be fucking for real. <laughs> Crowley does like a fun little mocking curtsy when the two of them appear and his ear fills straightens his bow tie. Beelzebub calls Crowley a traitor. And eventually, you know, they go up That's to Adam. That's not a nice word. <laughs> All the other words I have for you are worse. They go up to Adam and Gabriel's very like brisk clasping his hands like hi young man armageddon must restart right now and his argument is that this battle is for the greater good beelzebub is saying that this is adam's destiny it is written so start the war adam's like you both want to end the world just to see whose gang is best Gabriel is like, yeah, I mean, it's the great plan. It's the point of the creation of the Earth. I found that fascinating. That that's the point of the creation of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Just to be a fucking playground. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. It does, yeah. like, make me wonder. Like, like we discussed what the actual apocalypse was gonna be, and we still don't really know. Like, what was the point of the humans... If Earth was just supposed to be the battleground for good and evil or whatever the fuck, right? Like, why make life in the first place? Yeah. 
Like, we just don't get a lot of details about that, and it is, like, heavily implied that it's just a battleground, blah, blah, blah. It's not even, you know, like, last or whatever episode you said, like, maybe it's, like, the amount of souls that yeah, they get exactly. influences their power. But then, like, we hear, like, when Dagon was doing the speech, he goes, all of you used to be angels. So that's not the case. Um, yeah, yeah, right? so, like, none of, yeah, none of the demons are, like, humans who went to hell. Like, the, those people are not gonna battle it out at all. Yeah. Yeah, and so. also, there's the deleted scene I didn't mention last time, where Aziraphale possesses, like, a televangelist or a radio evangelist or whatever. And when he's describing the apocalypse, which I'm assuming is a pretty accurate description, he's just saying that, yeah, like... People are just going to, like, it's just going to be heaven and hell fighting. And he says that, like, there's not going to be any rapture. Like, who has time to go around popping people up in the air to sneer at the people dying below them? You know, he also says that, you know, it's just going to be fire falling, seas turning to blood. It says, he says, you lot are all going to be civilian casualties, whatever side you're on. They're going to kill everyone and let God sort it out. So, like, what was the point of humanity if that- But, like, I mean, I guess these questions are the point, right? The point is that the apocalypse wasn't supposed to happen and this was a test of Adam the whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a test of Adam? Yeah. What what do you think? It's a test of Adam? It doesn't- Doesn't it make sense, like- God sent Jesus to live among the humans. Well, it's like, it's the same thing. Like, let's send the son of Satan to live among the humans and see if he's able to pick up free will and, like, love for the earth. Who do you think it's a test of? I mean, there's the whole apple-eating business at the end. I've been trying to think about it, but not too much. Because I'm thinking about other things. <laughs> I, I mean, my point is, like, I did try to think about it, and I'm like, man, who even give a shit? And then I stopped thinking about it, hoping that you have thought about it. Okay, so, well, I have, and my conclusion is that... Let's get into it later. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's the entire reason for the creation of the Earth, etc. And then Beelzebub tries with, hey, Adam, like, when all this is over, you're going to get to rule the world. Don't you want to rule the world? But... Adam says, I love the way Beelzebub talks so much. I yeah. feel like this is the the first episode where I actually got to hear them like speak, like mm-hmm. for long. Because I mean, we heard them in like I think episode one, but like not uh, much. Yeah, Curly yeah. goes to hell and then yeah. talks, and you know, yeah, he yeah, like, said some things. Yeah, some things, but like this is the first one that's like you know prolonged speaking. Mm. Oh, what a lovely speech pattern. And like, my first thought was like, maybe maybe Crowley got the drama from somewhere. Maybe so. Adam goes, it's hard enough having to think of things for Pepper and Wensley and Brian to do all the time so they don't get bored. I've got all the world I want. That's such a funny fucking line. I love it so much. And, okay, these are like... Like, Adam's two lines here are, you know, like, all the world I want, and earlier you just want to see whose gang is best. And that is... Neil Gaiman cut a lot. Adam's speech in the book 
is way, way, way longer. Like, his first thing, before he gets to this point, is about, like, I don't see why everything has to be destroyed. Um, like, even if you win, you can't really beat the other side because you don't really want to. I mean, not for good. You'll just start all over again. You'll just keep on sending people like these two, he pointed to Crowley and Aziraphale, to mess people around. It's hard enough being people as it is without other people coming and messing you around. Which, like, I think some of that is covered in Aziraphale's speech to the angels, like, before they try to fall him or discorporate him or whatever. So sure, okay, we have some of that. I think it's unfortunate that it was given to the non- and a not-human character when it's, like, meant to be a book about humanism, whatever. Then he goes on and says some shit about how, like, anyway, if you stop telling people it's all sorted out after they're dead, they might try sorting it all out while they're alive. If I was in charge, I'd try making people live a lot longer, like old Methuselah. It'd be a lot more interesting, and they might start thinking about the sort of things they're doing to all the environment and ecology, because they'll still be around in a hundred years. So, like, he got that. It's nice. It's nice to have- to let Adam have a moment, and I'm- un- it's unfortunate that he didn't. But then, like, right, so then after that, in the book and in the show, Gabriel is- And Beelzebub are talking about how, you know, you can't just refuse your birth, your destiny, blah, blah, blah. And Adam first says, like, I'm not rebelling against anything. I'm pointing out things. Seems to me you can't blame people for pointing out things. Seems to me it'd be a lot better not to start fighting and just see what people do. If you stop messing them about, they might start thinking properly, and they might stop messing the world about. I'm not saying they would, but they might. So, like, again, nice that he gets time. Back, back to show, right? So, Aziraphale goes up and stands behind Adam's shoulder and says, Excuse me, you keep talking about the great plan. One thing I'm not clear on, is that the ineffable plan? And Gabriel and Beelzebub start looking confused. And Beelzebub goes, The great plan, it is written. There shall be a world, and it shall last for 6,000 years and end in fire and flame. Aziraphale again is like, okay, yeah, 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 that's the great plan. But, like, is that also the ineffable plan? And Crowley realizes what Aziraphale's going for. And then she goes up and stands behind Adam's other shoulder. And doing doing her fun little stammering thing the whole time is like well it'd be a pity if you thought you were doing what the great plan said but you were actually going directly against god's ineffable plan i mean everyone knows the great plan yeah and then it cuts to anathema nodding and newt shaking his head which i thought was fun and then they go but the ineffable plan is well it's ineffable isn't it by definition we can't know it Gabriel and Beelzebub getting confused at this, and Gabriel goes, God does not play games with the universe, and Crowley Crowley goes, goes, where have you been? Yeah. And, okay, here is where there's a line that I'm so angry Neil Gaiman cut. So, Adam, okay, after Crowley says this, book goes, everyone found their eyes turning toward Adam. He seemed to be thinking very carefully. Then, he said, I don't see why it matters what is written. Not when it's about people. 
It can always be crossed out. A breeze swept across the airfield. Overhead, the assembled host rippled like a mirage. There was the kind of silence there might have been on the day before creation. Adam stood smiling at the two of them, a small figure perfectly poised exactly between heaven and hell. And then this is when the Metatron in the book, who's instead of Gabriel, this is when the Metatron and Beelzebub are like, okay, let's go back to head office and hash this out. Like, the, the, this could, them cut, like, Neil Gaiman cutting this line, like, completely changes, like, the tone of this scene, right? Like, in the book, like, this is the convincing line. Like, it doesn't matter what is written. If it's about humans, it can always be crossed out. But in the show, it's just, like, haha, funny. They're, like, confused about, like, bureaucracy and titles of things. Like, who give a shit? Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, I've, I've brought up constantly that uh, this show is playing with, you know, themes of, what's that? Free will. Free will, fate, whatever, whatever. And, you know, <laughs> like, the whole, like, uh, well, w- I mean, the actual plan is different from the plan that you were told. So, like, it's it doesn't fly with me. Yeah. I, it's not something that I like. Like when it was said, I was like, "Oh Jesus fucking Christ!" <laughs> yeah. So I think if they put that Adam line in there, yeah. I would like it so 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 yeah. so much more. So would I. Yeah. So would I, Gray. I would also like it a lot more. What they're trying to say here is that, oh, you think this is the plan, but. Actually, it isn't, and you're wrong about which plan there is. God is confusing, and you don't get it. Yeah, like, the whole point should be, like, it doesn't matter if there's a plan. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I... Oh, they character assassinated my little boy. They did. They character assassinated Adam. Like... God, I just can't believe Neil Gaiman, a writer who claims to have an understanding of things like theme, would just completely (laughs) misunderstand what he wrote in the first place, or decide to rewrite it into a way less interesting and way worse version. Like, you fucked everything by taking that line out, Neil Gaiman. Probably. so, 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 so annoying. The only interesting thing about... Okay, so yeah, basically, you know, the two of them, Gabriel and Beelzebub, they, like, w- like have a-, a word in private, and they're like, ah, shit, I'm- we're gonna have to call off the war. Imagine how annoying that's gonna be for both of us. Blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it- I-, I am sort of interested in how both sides still are doing things according to the plan. Like, it's not- like, hell doesn't like, hell didn't lose faith in God. They just don't really like how heaven operates. Like, they don't even have an issue with any of God's plans. They aren't trying to go against them. They're like, once they think they're going against God's plans, they stop doing the thing. That's, like, interesting, I guess. Yeah, I think it is interesting. And it also distinctly separates Crowley and Azurfail. Yeah. The lot. It and does. by the lot, I mean angels and demons alike. Yeah. So, except the way they do it in the TV show is so bad. <laughs> so yeah, 
now I understand what you're saying. Like, don't you think it's a test of Adam? And it's like, yeah. It, like, yeah. I mean, if it was the book, like, yeah, it's a test of Adam. But like, literally in the TV show, it's a test of a zero fan. Like we've been saying this, true. and like I feel like that that does that, that does make it a weaker story. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Ah. So. What. Ever. Whatever. So Gabe turns back around and goes, well, at least we know whose fault it is. And... And the name, they will love Yeah, yeah Zerfield does a cute little wave, and Crowley does, like, a grimace grin, and Adam just stands there. They're cute. And, you know, Gabriel and Beelzebub finish up with, young man, you were put on this earth for one reason, and one reason only, to end it. You're a disobedient little brat, and I hope someone tells your father. And Beelzebub informs everyone that they will tell his father. His father will not be pleased. Um, Gray, are you good? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so like, can Beelzebub just insta-send messages to Satan, or... Gray, I'm giving you an opening... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> what? Man, who told that fucking journalist? <laughs> I know, but like, I was talking over you, so like, I thought you might want to clean to inside. This joke is too inside to make any sense to anyone. Okay, you know what? The point, the point of of saying this on the podcast is just so that we can like. Post the video on our Tumblr. Referencing it. Okay, guys, (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna post a link to a YouTube video on our Tumblr, and it's it's going to be of a comparison of two scenes um, of David Tennant playing like Alec Hardy or whatever his name is. Yeah, Alec Hardy in Broadchurch, and then in the American remake of Broadchurch called Grace Point. <laughs> Grace it's gonna be 26 Point. minutes... Sorry, 26 seconds. Sorry, let me do that again. Long. It's gonna be 26 seconds long. I encourage everyone, especially people who have American accents, to watch it. <laughs> it is the, the funniest 20 seconds, 26 seconds you will ever spend in your life. Yeah. Grayla independently changed our Discord statuses to the same line in that video. To just at the oh, same it's time. So funny. <laughs> what if it's not even funny? Okay, everyone, if you watch it, you have to go into our inbox and tell us that it's the funniest thing ever. Thank you. <laughs> no, but like the thing is, the family's lives are destroyed. <laughs> And then we screw it up and make it worse. <laughs> it's so bad. Okay. Anyway. So. 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 Okay. So. Gabriel and Beelzebub disappear. And then there's another interaction between Anathema and Adam this time that's in the book that Neil Gaiman cut. I don't like it. I don't like that they cut it. So the, that that scene goes, But you can't just leave it at that, said Anathema, pushing forward. Think of all the things you could do. Good things. Like what? said Adam suspiciously. Well, you could bring all the whales back to start with. He put his head on one side. 
And that stopped people killing them. She hesitated. It would have been nice to say yes. And if people do start killing them, what do you, what would you ask me to do about them? Said Adam. No, I reckon I'm getting the hang of this now. Once I start messing around like that, there'd be no stopping it. Seems to me, the only sensible thing is for people to know if they kill a whale, they've got a dead whale. It's a nice interaction. I think, I just, yeah. like, of all all the things I listed, definitely want the, it can be crossed out if it's about humans. Everything else, I can take or leave, but I just think that, like, in terms of how you're allocating time during the episode, like... Just give Adam more lines. He can just have any of the ones in the book. There's a plethora of lines in the book you could just give him so that he has more screen time so that this is about free will and humanity and the apocalypse instead of about just anything else. How Neil Gaiman thinks he's so smart for doing a body swap. You know? You know? You know? That'd be nice. Like... He had enough time to just throw in anathema going, there are no volcanoes in England, but, like, he doesn't have time for any of the rest of this shit. Like, fuck off. It's not even funny. It's not funny. I mean, the thing is, like, I think the main mistake is that... I wouldn't call it a mistake. I like that it happened. Whatever. The main thing, the main difference would be that the book is about themes and motifs and whatnot. Mm. It appears to be, I guess. But the show is about Aziraphale and Crowley. If you wanted to make a show about Aziraphale and Crowley, then just write a different story. Like, write the well, before the apocalypse or after the apocalypse story. Maybe you'll but like season if, two. If, <laughs> <sighs> no, but the thing is, like, if you're trying to write this story, and then you decide 30 years into it being written that Oh, I'm going to make it about just mostly about this two specific characters specifically. It becomes like it comes with um diminishing the char- the other characters in the story. So now instead of like having a full body of a story, it's like there's this good parts and then we're skipping through the ones that are bad. We're like fucking pushing through with it. Mm-hmm. And that is very much what this episode feels like. Yeah. Like, we're just pushing through with the Adam scenes and the anathema scenes and the Shadwell and Tracy scenes. Mm. Because, like, oh, we need to go back to the Ezra, Phil, and Crowley stuff. It's like, why did you just make everything good? Just make everything good. You know? Yeah. That'd be nice. I would like if everything was good. Oh, well. Just kill Newt. It could be done. You could do it. Like, what if Satan... Like a rose from the depths of hell, and then just killed Newt, <laughs> and then the rest of the scene happened, the and then he, you know, erupts same, into yeah. flames or whatever. Yeah, and but Newt is dead, perma dead, even. Yeah, what if Adam doesn't bother bringing him back? Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe Shadwell can also be caught by a stray flame. You know, if we're if we're I mean, dreaming big, they, they perma killed Ligger. I. Believe. They did, I think, yeah, because or else it would have been him bringing the hellfire up. Yeah, or like he would be in the trial. They should have fucking Burma killed that. I'm such a hater. I'm so sorry. Are there people who genuinely like Newt? Yeah, I think so. Ugh. Why? 
I think that he it doesn't he have like a certain brand of like like a white void charm that some people are into. Like some people like when men are. Bumbling. I feel so bad for straight girls. <laughs> I feel so bad for them. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Is that so condescending? I I mean that genuinely. I do feel bad for them. <laughs> Does that not make does that make it less or more condescending? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's girls who aren't straight who are into him. Yeah, but at least they have other options. Yeah, straight girls also have other options. There's other men out there. Yeah, but if you like nude, it's over. So, um, the ground starts shaking, Crowley's hit with, like, a sudden burst of pain, and falls to the floor, and they can sense that Satan's coming up, and we have a horrible moment with Shadwell and Tracy, where he's like, if anyone wants to hurt the Dullusler of Babylon, they're gonna have to get past me. And she's, like, so into it and going, like, oh, Mr. Shadwell, and clutching on to him and shit. Crowley says that, like, there is nothing we can do about this. Like, he... Okay, let me find the specific line. Okay, well, first he goes to his ear fail. Like, well, that was that. It was nice knowing you. And Aziraphale says, we can't give up now. And Crowley says, this is Satan himself. It isn't about Armageddon. This is personal. We are fucked. And she's looking up at Aziraphale with her big yellow serpent doe eyes. And then Aziraphale picks up his flaming sword. The sword. And, it's all flaming yet. Okay, his not flaming sword. And he goes, come up with something, or... And then he raises his sword, which he previously had by his side. And Crowley looks at him with, like, this disbelieving expression on his face. And then Aziraphale lowers the sword and goes, or oh, I'm never going to talk to you, or I'll never talk to you again. And you had some thoughts about this. I mean, I, my thoughts were, wow, that sure did happen. <laughs> Nothing else? Okay. <laughs> well. Well, what are your thoughts? And I'll, I'll cheers to it or something. I, okay. I would first like to point out the deviations from the script here. Because what it says in the script is, Aziraphale picks up the sword from the ground and holds it awkwardly, as if it might go off. He's not threatening Crowley with it, just making his point that he can do dangerous, out-of-character things if he needs to. Um, and then it goes, Aziraphale, come up with something, or, or I'm never going to talk to you again. And then it goes, Crowley nods. That one hurts. What the hell? Crowley snaps his fingers and time stops. But he is threatening them with it in the show. Like, it's not just holding the sword awkwardly. He raises it on the oar before putting it back down. Like, it is, like, a very quick second of, like, 
oh god, like, obviously I can't actually do this. But he does raise the sword! Like, that sure does happen! And, oh. well... Wow. Hmm? I remember why you think I have something to say about it. It's because I did say something to you about it. Yeah. Which is that I cannot imagine, like, Crowley after this still being like, yeah, we're fine. I said that, right? Yeah. Well, you said that, yeah. Did you say, I feel like you said, did you say something specific about how he can, like, there's no way he comes out of this thinking that Aziraphale loves him or something? Yeah, I think that's what I said, yeah. And you still feel that way? I don't know. I Honestly, I find it more hurtful that Aziraphale wouldn't let her have her moment with the car than this. Like, this barely is a blip <laughs> on my radar. I mean, they need to do a lot of talking. Lots of talking. And they won't even fucking do it! There's a there's a, an ask that we received that uh-huh. I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, yeah. The one that asked, like, oh, isn't it so wild that Aziraphale and Crowley will just have a fight, and then, like, never talk about it ever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, for some... Somehow, they're fine still. And you said that, like, the way they are with, like, their um head offices and stuff is, like, they'll tell head office something, and then head office will go, like, okay, or boo, or whatever. But, mm-hmm. like, there's no, like, actual way to, like, redeem yourself or whatever. So it's very much a... We have a disagreement. Let's not talk for a while. And then we talk again. Fine, I don't really care about the disagreement anymore. Let's proceed. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about how Crowley does say sorry in episode four. Mm. But it's not It's not understood. It's not like a sorry that is like, I did something wrong and I understand. And yeah. this is how we fix it. It's a... It's still in the vein of let's just put it aside. Let's mm-hmm. just let's just forget about it. Yeah. And whatever like, I said, I didn't mean it. Like you probably did though. Yeah. And this one, the come up with something or I'll never talk to you again. I don't think Azurfil means it. Mm. But it's the fact that it is said to hurt Crowley. Like that is the point, right? Like this is yeah. said to be like I will hurt you. I have the ability to hurt you, and I will do it if you don't do this. Mm. And, like, whether it will actually be done or not, that's not the point. The point is the threat. And yeah. I don't know. These are just threads. I have no point to make. It's just... I mean, yeah. Nor do yeah. I. Yeah. This is, like, well, what's the worst thing I could do to them? This. Yeah. Which is, wow. And the answer is, just never talk to you again. Yeah. The last time I had a conversation about this was, like, four years ago or something. Hell yeah. And mm. I think, yeah, I think my, I think one of my friends was like, and Aziraphale was so mean in that scene, and I was, like, so lost in the Aziraphale sauce that I was like, well... He's just stating a fact. If they all die, they really can't talk to each other again. I don't think that's true. But, or, I mean, it is true, but I don't think that's what he meant. But, like, it does make me think about the prescriptive versus descriptive 
argument for the Garden of Eden where God tells, like, Adam and Eve, like, if you eat the fruit, you'll die. And, like, people's, like, debate is, like, does God mean that, like, this is just gonna happen as a side effect of the fruit, or me, upon knowing you eat the fruit, will cause it so that you will die. So that's the, like, second one's prescriptive, first one's descriptive. And, like, this is, like, a debate or, like, a a conversation we had in, like, my biblical literature class. But, like, in the end, it doesn't really matter, because, like, God made the fruit and the garden and all that stuff. And, yeah, I think that... In the end, it doesn't really matter what Xerophil meant by there, because either way, it's still shitty and terrible. But also, like, whatever. I don't- I honestly don't think Crowley cares about this that much. Like, you think that it hurts her very deeply. I I don't think very deeply. I- like, the thing is, like, the both of them are, like, so good with just brushing things off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I- I do- like, I- I don't want to say I don't care, but like, the, I care more about the fact that Aziraphale was like, I am going to say something hurtful mm. than like whether Crowley was actually hurt. I, I think the reason why I like Aziraphale so much is because I feel like there is no apprehension in making him mean. Mm. He is quite mean, isn't he? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, no. And like, <laughs> we got an ask recently do- that was like, does Aziraphale yeah. think Crowley's that self-loathing? And in my answer, I was like, well, if Aziraphale thought that Crowley, like, hated himself for being a demon, like, surely he wouldn't say all that shit, right? But, like, maybe he would. <laughs> maybe he would still say all that shit. We've been doing a whole lot of, when you're, you know, in distress, you do a lot of things out of character. Yeah. Is it even? You know? Is it even? I know that by the end of season two, uh, Aziraphale... I don't actually know what happens at the end of season two. I don't know the lead up to it or whatever. There's I don't even none. know if this is true. I'm just saying it. But I think Aziraphale leaves Crowley. I don't know if that is the truth. Maybe Crowley leaves Aziraphale. Either way, they separate. I um, say that both of them would have different answers to that question. Every single time I come across anything from that episode, season two, episode six, it's always like, Aziraphale does something or says something unbelievably mean or, like, severely misunderstanding the situation or stupid or whatever. And it's like, yeah. I, I'm not trying to say that he's a bad person. Like, mm. That's not what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, no. I'm just saying that, like, people are complex. And I like that he's complex. Yeah. Because I think the where the crux of this comes from is that he is the angel in the relationship. Because, like, the thing with Crowley is, like, oh, Crowley's a demon, but we're trying to prove that Crowley is, you know, good and all that. Yeah. Like, I already knew that, like, day one. Like, you don't have to keep working so hard on that. Yeah, but, like, with Aziraphale, it's kind of the opposite thing, right? Mm. Like, oh, here's an angel. But we have to prove that the angel has bad qualities and stuff. And the thing is, like, if we're talking, like, bad qualities in terms of the Catholic sense or whatever, the fact that he's a hedonist, well, pretty, like, I mean, yeah, but, like, it doesn't flow now to us as our, like, modern understanding of 
good and bad. So, Azirfil does actually have to do things that are bad. I don't know. I mean, from what I understand, we'll see more of this in season two, and I'm really looking forward to it. What a fuck. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, no? I don't know. Do you think the, the meanness is out of character in season two? I think that there's an insufficient buildup to whatever his mindset is <sighs> at the end. But, you know, insufficient buildup to the finales is what Neil Gaiman's all about, baby. Mm. So, yeah, and Zerophil literally said, come up with something or I'll never talk to you again. Ah! And Crowley stops time. So... Let's let's take a, a little a little minute a little minute to compare this scene to the one in the book. I you're not even gonna have to read the book after this podcast. I literally read aloud every passage yeah. that's better. Like the rest of it the rest of the book is just like jokes that aren't funny. So I mean you didn't I, I by the way I started reading the book for oh. the audience. You didn't even say one of my favorite lines I've come across so far. Which one? Which is that why are we even talking about heaven and hell? These are oh, just yeah. words. Like, yeah, we, we, know we both that. know this is fake. Yeah. yeah, we know that. I like that bar so much. Yeah, it's a good line. Yeah. Okay, so in the book, like the two of them have like run to the jeep, and Crowley's like trying to get away. Uh, so it goes in the jeep. Crowley was cursing. Aziraphale laid a hand on his shoulder. There are humans here, he said. Yes, said Crowley, and me. I mean, we shouldn't let this happen to them. Well, what? Crowley began and stopped. I mean, when you think about it, we've got them into enough trouble as it is, you and me, over the years. What with one thing and another. We were only doing our jobs, muttered Crowley. Yes. So what? Lots of people in history have only done their jobs and look at the trouble they caused. You don't mean we should actually try to stop him. What have you got to lose? Crowley started to argue and realized that he hadn't anything. There was nothing he could lose that he hadn't lost already. They couldn't do anything worse to him than he had coming to him already. He felt free at last. He also felt under the seat and found a tire iron. It wouldn't be any good, but then nothing would. In fact, it'd be much more terrible facing the adversary with anything like a decent weapon. That way, you might have a bit of hope, which would make it worse. Aziraphale picked up the sword lately dropped by war and hefted its weight thoughtfully. That's it. That's in the book. He's perfectly nice. He's in the book. He has a good Wait, line. What? This What's is the replacement. This is like how Aziraphale convinces Crowley to do something. In the book. What is Neil Gaiman doing? <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, fine. It's more dramatic. <laughs> it's more, like, fun for the screen, for the whatever. I get that. Yeah. But, like... Yeah. There are humans here, and I mean, we shouldn't let this happen to them. What a nice Xerophil moment. I mean, I don't know who brought it up. Was mm-hmm. it... Did Viris even ask about how, like... There's no humans in Good Omens that matter. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Another thing that I've been thinking about. Because, like, I mean, no, they do not give a single shit about anyone. <laughs> I think we've had this conversation last episode. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I'm not saying that they should like love people, whatever. Mm. But they should a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Crowley says lovely, bit. clever humans inventing cars and windshields. <laughs> they didn't have any cars yeah. back in the 14th century. <laughs> I suppose so. But yeah. Okay, and second, second thing. So, in the book, like, after Crowley gets convinced to stay behind and fight, um, you know, in the show, they have him say, nice knowing you, but, um, and later the rest of the lines that are said here get transposed to the ending scene of this episode, but in the book, they're about to face Satan, and this is when we get Aziraphale smiled at Crowley. I'd just like to say, he said, if we don't get out of this, that I'll have known deep down inside that there was a spark of goodness in you. That's right, said Crowley bitterly. Make my day. Aziraphale held out his hand. Nice knowing you, he said. Crowley took it. Here's to the next time, he said. And Aziraphale? Yes. Just remember I'll have known that deep down inside you were just enough of a bastard to be worth liking. So, okay, I want to I wanna point out the difference mostly in yeah. Aziraphale's lines, right? So, uh-huh. in the show, he says, I like to think none of this would have worked out if you weren't at heart just a little bit a good person. In the book, if we don't get out of this, I'll have known deep down inside that there was a spark of goodness in you. And the way that sentence structure works is that the deep down inside refers to I'll have known, not to the spark of goodness in Crowley, which means this wouldn't have worked unless I knew, despite all my protestations and all of that, unless deep down inside I understood that you were a good person, which is quite different than if you were just sort of a good person. Like, you you understand, right? Like, this is very different. Yeah. Like, this is about- the fir- the book one is about how Aziraphale was able to, like, bring himself to trust It's Crowley. about me believing in you. Yeah. 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 In the show, it's just you like- You can't see me right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I am holding my head in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! This yeah. is so horrible. Everything is so horrible. I don't hate the show version. I think it can be nice in its own way. It's like a fun little... Because everything's done, right? Like, they're not facing death. And it's just like a fun little teasing thing of like, well, you know, you keep saying you're not nice, but hey, look at you. Look at what happened. Maybe now that no one's keeping Mm -hmm. score, you can finally accept the compliment that I think you're a nice person. That's fine. But like... I, I, I am very fond of the book version, too, and I'm sad it didn't happen. Crowley's line is basically yeah. the same, except the show changes worth liking to worth knowing. Everyone has made the yeah. biblically jokes already, so <laughs> I have nothing else to say on that one. God, yeah. though, she literally would be appalled if she ever saw him try to be a saint. They wouldn't fall for someone they thought couldn't misbehave. Nobody by Hosier is really the song of all time. Crowley, Aziraphale, and Adam end up in, like, this, like, white plane of existence where time has stopped. And we see that Aziraphale and Crowley's wings are out. 
Aziraphale does a neck crack. Yeah, which we have both spoken about privately. (laughs) 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 Sure did. Sure did. Crowley has black wings, Aziraphale has white wings. They look okay. Supernatural had the right idea when they did the shadows. Crowley puts on their sunglasses before talking to Adam, which I think is nice. Oh, also sad, but mostly nice. It's like, oh, I mean, like, you're a human, you're a kid, and I want you to be comfortable in this space when I'm talking to you, so I'll put my eyes away. Sorry, babe, but that was nice of you to do. She tells Adam, like, hey, your father's coming to destroy you, to destroy all of us. And I was like, what? My dad wouldn't hurt anyone, but Crowley clarifies that this is Satan. And Adam's like, I don't think I can fight him. I'm just a kid. I don't know what to come up with. And Aziraphale says his line about how it's not a bad thing to be a kid. I was scared you'd be hell incarnate. I hoped you'd be heaven incarnate, but you aren't either of those things. You're better than that. You're human incarnate. And Crowley's like, okay, I'm gonna unstop time. Reality's gonna listen to you. You have to come up with a plan. You have to do it fast. And Aziraphale goes, and whatever happens, for good or for evil, we're beside you. You tried to kill him ten minutes ago. You tried to shoot a brick at him. <laughs> like, they each take one of Adam's yeah. hands, and it's like, none of this is fucking earned. Aziraphale, you tried to kill him. Yeah. Crowley, you went over and went, that's the one, shoot him, Aziraphale. <laughs> like, why would Adam trust you? Why would you? So many of my predictions came true, but like not in any way meaningful or fruitful or satisfying. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) It's like none of this fucking matters. Like, yeah, he shot and it does not matter. No one give a shit. Yeah, now they're trying to protect this kid, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's. There's no emotional payoff. It's stupid. It's so, so stupid. They get, they, uh, Crowley uses her tire iron, Xerophil uses his sword, and they sort of, what, they just crank reality back to present day, present time. Woohoo. Satan rises up from the ground. He's like some big old giant red skinned horned like like ten yeah. horns on his head guy he was like not... this is benedict cumberbatch and that's what benedict cumberbatch looks like and then i heard the voice and it's like this it is not benedict cumberbatch sound like him like there's you could have cast anybody to say you this you could have cast logan roy again <laughs> as satan you could have cast like, me like, there's enough voice filters for it to work. I mean, obviously, like, we get the discourse about Satan being trans, but, like, um, maybe there'd be enough voice filters <laughs> that you can't tell. <laughs> so it's all like, where's my rebellious son? Come here. Blah, blah, blah. And Adam walks up to him, and it's like, you're not my dad. Dads don't wait until you're 11 to say hello and then turn up to tell you off. If I'm in trouble with my dad, then it won't be you. It's going to be the dad who stepped up. He finishes writing on his t-shirt and then hands it to Mr. Young. 
God, it's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid. Like, why would you at the last minute turn this into the, uh, like, like the dad who went out for cigarettes and a newspaper never came back sort of situation? We don't even see Adam interact with his dad, like, basically at all. Like, I have no clue how that relationship is. Like, does he even give a shit? Yeah. Apparently he does, according to what he's saying now, but, like, there was no build-up to this whatsoever. Like, there was no, like, paralleling Satan with an absentee father thing. There was no strengthening of Adam and Mr. Young's relationship. If and the only parent we see Adam talk to solo is his mom, and also when he's, like, having his big ol' screaming match up in the sky, the thing that finally- the last thing that brings him back to reality is his mom saying hello, Adam, to him when he was a baby. Like- if you're gonna, like, rely on any kind of parental relationship, neither of which have been strengthened yeah. during this show, to be, like, what causes Adam to rewrite reality and poof Satan out. Like, just use his- either use his mom or give, like, some of his mom's scenes to his dad. Yeah. Like, after you know this- Maybe they should have made Lucifer transgender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> After this, we don't- do we even see Adam talk to his dad after this? Like, besides Mr. Young showing up and being like, what's going on? Exactly. No, like, it's just him talking to his mom. Again. Like, what is- like, he should at least have a moment where he's, like, looking at Mr. Young for longer than one would assume and then says, like, thanks, dad, or something. You know, like, that's just, like, how it would work in writing- (laughs) Even, like, when- even during the birth scene, right? We're supposed to think that Mr. Young was, like, this kind of, like, removed a little bit. Like, he doesn't really want to be there. Yeah. When his wife gives birth. Yeah. And then, like, the the scenes that we do see them together in. Like, it's his mom who visits him in yep. his room. Mm-hmm. And, like, the only time they talk, I think, was when- Adam was, like, was to bed. Dismissing Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Dismissing Adam while being like, yeah, it doesn't matter, Adam. I'm just gonna keep on watching the TV. Yeah, uh, like, was he really the dad who stepped up? <laughs> <laughs> that truly is such a fucking shirt. Yeah, okay, to clarify for the audience, he doesn't say it's gonna be the dad who stepped up. He says it's gonna be the dad who was there. But he may as well have said it's gonna be the dad who stepped up. Stupid as shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well yeah basically well at the end he goes you are not my dad, dad you never, never were and then, that's the thing yeah, that satan screams and explodes yeah. and dies because explodes adam rewrote the past yeah because aziraphale goes okay so basically in the when the smoke clears mr young shows up and aziraphale's like that's not really his father fuck off aziraphale <laughs> And then Crowley goes, well, it is. It is now. And it always was. He did it. And the scene ends with Mr. Young coming out of the car and going like, huh? Would anyone here care to explain to me what exactly is going on? And then, yeah, so that was the first 24 minutes of this episode. My review is that it was underwhelming and not funny. (laughs) Not funny. 
like all of these you're not my dad lines are new like they took away all the good ones in the book and just went just put this shit in like satan shows up in the book no no it's just mr young just shows up because adam already did the work inside of his head Damn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they wanted they wanted Fun. to give Benedict Cumberbatch money so bad. They wanted to <laughs> yeah. cut him a giant fat it's check that. for doing nothing so, there so literally is bad. No Satan? There's no Satan in the book. Like he talks on the radio one time. Well, oh, yeah, but we don't see. No. Is there Gabriel? No. Because you said there, it's Metatron. Yeah, the Metatron shows up for this. The rest of it, there's no Gabriel. At all? No. Heaven doesn't check in on Aziraphale. <laughs> they let him do whatever the fuck he oh, wants. Oh, yeah. You said that. Yeah. Well. Well. We go to Aziraphale and Crowley outside. And they're sitting on a bench. And it is your typical Aziraphale and Crowley bench positioning. Yeah, or... there's a box between them. Yeah, Aziraphale's on the left. Manicured hands on the lap. Yeah. And Bef- Crowley is just, yeah. Before you say the bit. first line, I want to say that they cut some lines in the script that I would have liked. The Okay, first, before Aziraphale says what he says in the show, he says, I'm sorry about the car. I know how much you liked it. Perhaps if you concentrated really hard. And Crowley goes, it wouldn't be the same. I had it from new, you know. And Aziraphale goes, I do. Yes. And I get why they cut it. It sort of, like, messes with the pacing. Would have been nice to have him acknowledge that he was being a bit pushy during the the soldier car scene and that he actually does care that Crowley cares about the Bentley. Would have been a nice thing for my girl to hear. And I think it helps make up for some of the sword shit. Like, he's not apologizing directly for what he did, but there is, like, a general vibe of, like, I still care about you as a person. It's not just about your time stop ability and shit. In the show, the first line is, Aziraphale saying, it's all worked out for the best, though. Just imagine how awful it might have been if we'd all, if we've been at all competent. Real? It's quite funny. I remember one time I joked here that, like, does Heaven really think that Aziraphale is so incompetent? <laughs> it's unreal. They better, they better. Because he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they better because he is. And you know what? I think he may as well be. Yeah. And then they ponder over the prophecy that Aziraphale caught in the air. Mm. And, yeah. They're just talking. And also, they're, they're, they're drinking wine, yeah. and they're passing it back and forth each other. Uh-huh. Which I thought was nice. Yeah. That was nice. I did think it was nice. Also, in the script, it says that Aziraphale wipes, like, the the mouth of the glass, or the, the mouth of the bottle before he passes it back to Crowley, but he doesn't in the show. So, win. <laughs> win for gay people <laughs> everywhere. At some point, I was trying to monitor the wine, yeah. but like I couldn't see point, it. I think like, they did think an they error put it, in the yeah. Or I think Aziraphale might put it down on the ground when he's handing the package back. Crowley, very, very. Every time Crowley says "angel," oh. I'm like, oh, yeah. but like no, this specific scene. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, Jesus yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. She goes, "Angel, what if the Almighty planned it like this all along?" And it really is a testament 
to how beautiful Crowley looks in this scene that, like, I didn't immediately, like, be angry at this line. I was too busy looking at her neck and all that. But, yeah. yeah. And, oh, God. They really do use the softest, gentlest, fondest fucking voice at this. And, like, yeah, they're, like, just fully looking at Xerophil, head stretched back, all that shit. And, ugh. I honestly didn't have a strong opinion on, like, the free will stuff of Good Omens until our episode 3 recording when you quoted Jenny. But, like, now that you have, it's like, well... I don't like that that much. I cannot wait for when season two happens and that all falls completely (laughs) to to pieces because God is also narrating that shit. Yeah, I don't know. Like, this this whole conversation, what did you think of it? Did the Almighty plan it all along? Oh, yeah. So Crowley goes, what if the Almighty planned it like this all along? And Azurafel's like, yeah, could have from the very beginning. And, like, I wouldn't put it past her. I, I the way I want to interpret this is they're not saying that like this is this is not like a reveal of fate, you know. It's not mm. like a this is what I believe in and I'm telling you about yeah, it. No. This is kind of like maybe Aziraphil is maybe Curly is sensing that Aziraphil is a bit upset and like oh, something. Really? Okay. Maybe. And it's like upset about hey, what? You know? I don't know. I don't think he's I mean, upset. you look at look at look at Aziraphale's face in this scene. Oh, I wasn't. I have no clue what the fuck that guy <laughs> was doing or saying. I was looking at one thing and one thing only. I I don't think Aziraphale's completely upset, but there is that like denouement from, you know, an intense moment. And then it's like they are very aware that they're going to be in trouble with heaven and hell. Maybe I didn't see anything, but I trust that you're right. It's just, you know, it's it's more banter than it is anything. But the thing is, like, if this is a conversation that they have, and they were real people, and they're having this conversation, it's like nothing, you know what I mean? But Because it's in a TV show. Like, it's trying to tell the audience something. And that's what I don't like about it. It's like, yes, they would have this conversation as Aziraphil and Crowley, but I don't think they should have this conversation as Aziraphil and Crowley in the TV show Good Omens. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I think I don't have as many issues with it as you do. I, I do take it, I take it to be like, I don't think it's Crowley expressing fate. I don't think that she doesn't believe it uh, not, either don't though yeah i think that it is a serious I think suggestion it's just somebody bringing up it's somebody bringing up hey, what if yeah. yeah what if i think it is i think it's a serious suggestion and yeah i i don't hate it that much because i don't think i don't think planned i maybe it's i don't think planned is like it doesn't mean like that God orchestrated every single bit of it. I yeah. sort of just read it as like it was a test, and Adam passed. Like God never really intended the apocalypse to go through. It was just like, let's see what happens if I bring like 
a child of Satan to be raised among the mortals, among humanity, and, you know, see if goodness is able to come of it. I, I think I'm fine with God just, like, planning it as in just, like, assuming that everything will end up okay. That's, that's okay with me. Yeah, I think if Adam got to say more lines in the face-off, this would come across better. I, I think it's fine. Also, line that was cut in the script book after this is, Prolly says, from what I remember, and we were never actually on what you might call speaking terms, she wasn't exactly one for a straight answer. She'd just smile as if she knew something that you didn't. And Aziraphale goes, well, she is God, that's sort of the point. But that that was some that was some nice Crowley backstory. I'd like to know about how Crowley saw how God smiled like she knew something you didn't. But I guess it does mm. add more to what you dislike about the lines. So yeah, yeah. I don't I don't dislike it. It's just I don't. Well, <laughs> I don't dislike it. I just don't like it. no it's it's more of like i don't dislike that they're having the conversation i just dislike that i'm seeing it (laughs) (laughs) like what are you trying to tell me like that's the uh okay yeah right well as they continue um the fucking international mail express bus passes by and leslie is out here alive yeah he's alive you know he asks for the package we look into the box that is between azurfel and crowley on the bench and it has the scales and the what's it the crown and Leslie goes like, oh, there's something else. There's supposed to be a sword here. Aziraphale like stands up and it's like, oh, well, sorry. I must have, it must have said it on it. I believe that he wanted to keep it. Oh, he wanted to. Yeah. Sorry, Aziraphale. You're not getting your sword back. Yeah. And Leslie does, says like, oh, good thing you're here, really. And Aziraphale, I feel like this is the first presence of like a zero fail usual snark and that we don't really see until like the very end of the episode again mm. where he goes like oh how nice to have someone who recognizes our part in saving the and then like leslie just goes oh like i need to someone to sign and it's like okay and then leslie you know what i'm endeared by this guy good. He, his character works on me good and he asks like do you believe in life after death and Aziraphale says, I suppose I must do, which is an interesting way to put it. Mm. And Leslie goes, like, if I was to tell my wife what happened to me today, she wouldn't believe me. I wouldn't blame her. And it's like, it's the first, because we, we get more of it later, that, like, people do know that it happened, but not, but they think it's, like, an imagine, imagination thing mm. or something, something. Like, they're not very clear on where these thoughts come from. But the thoughts are there. Mm. And I like that idea because of what I have been saying since the very beginning of this fucking episode where it's like, like this massive thing happened and like, even if the way it's resolved is everything goes back to normal. 
the fact that there was a process between original normal and the normal right now changes something. It's supposed to. Mm. And, like, the idea that the people, you know, remember in some way. Yeah. You know? Like, I... I'm sure Leslie will have a change in his life in some way, you know? Probably. Because of this experience, even if it was not real. Like, if, if he, even if he doesn't think it's real or whatever. Mm. And, I mean, it's implied that that's also the way other people feel. Yeah. With the, like, people talking about political stuff later. Mm. But it's I think it only is with Leslie that it works. Mm. Because it's, like, it's a human being. Just one person. Yeah. And I like that. I like that. Man, I really like this guy, don't I? The you do really like this guy. Time. And yeah. I'm, I'm happy for him, yeah. and I'm happy for you. So, returning the items implies that they're gonna be sent yeah. out again one day. Perhaps. Perhaps. There's a bus that shows up, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, a transportation, public transportation bus. And it says Oxford in the front. And Azirahold points it out, and... Crowley goes, yeah, but he'll drive to London anyway. He just won't know why. And this is such a quiet moment. Mm-hmm. It, like, it it gets to me. This fucking quiet moment yeah. between them. Yeah. And Aziraphale goes, I suppose I should get him to drop me off at the bookshop. And Crowley's like, very like, the way she turns and it's like, face softens up a little bit mm-hmm. and like kind of like hesitates like mm-hmm. oh I can't should I say it mm-hmm. and then you know he does he goes it burnt down remember and then like Aziraphale's face oh Crowley goes you can stay at my place if you like <gasps> and you know Aziraphale's face <laughs> Yeah, like his eyes widen and he looks like he's about to say something and then he turns slightly away but, like, not entirely away yeah. before he replies. And then looks back. Yeah. And looks back and goes, I don't think my side would like that. And Crowley says, you know, we don't have a side anymore, and neither of us do. The amount of care you give in reciting Xerophil versus Crowley's lines here really says something. But continue. What? What do you mean? Like, you're acting out all of Aziraphale's lives, and then you're like, and then Crowley says, you don't have a sign anymore, and you don't have to. A little bit. It feels like that a little bit. But it's okay, because it's like the exact opposite. Like, if you look at my notes, every time you've written, and Aziraphale's face, I just write, and then Aziraphale says, like, I'm not, I'm not paying attention to that guy. (laughs) And then the bus comes. And they, oh god, this scene. They walk into the bus. Mm. And I am reminded, of course, of episode one. They were on a bus. They go into the bus. And when, and Aziraphale is already seated. And Crowley sits behind him. Mm Mm-hmm. But here, yeah. they sit beside each other. Yeah. <laughs> they sure do. They, they do. sure do. I have been telling Crystal this, but in the Philippines, because you know how, like, when 
you're in a relationship but not really you call it a situationship mm. that's the term that we use here in the philippines but before that term rose to popularity the term was mu which is short for mutual understanding mm. which i i mean it was popular when i was like in middle school right or like elementary so it's like in my head it's like a childish thing like if somebody tells me right now my age big 20 plus oh i'm mu with someone i'll be like man that's so fucking stupid. It's so juvenile what the fuck are you saying but like the thing about the term situationship is the the point of it is that you're not sure what the situation is so you call it a situationship the point of MU. Mutual, I repeat, it means mutual understanding. Uh-huh. Is that you are sure about the situation. And the situation is that you like each other, but you're not together. At least not officially. Uh, this is, this concept is mostly from like, for example, because, you know, here in the Philippines. Now, maybe not so much, but back in the day. Courting is a very big thing, right? Mm. You're supposed to court someone before you get together. And the MU situation is like, you're courting someone, but for some reason, their family may be schooling, um, you know, social expectations, whatever. They can't say yes. And the point of being MU is that you know you like each other. The only thing stopping you from being in a relationship is that you can't say yes yet. But the moment you can, it is mutually understood that you will. And I just think Karoli and Azurovel are <laughs> MUs. Like, yeah. are you guys seeing the vision? Yeah. Is this so stupid? No, it's yeah. that's the vision. That is fully the vision. Yeah. Whether or not Neil Gaiman agrees with that vision, mm. but that is what they are. <laughs> Yeah. God, you guys, they literally have a mutual understanding. It's so crazy. They sure, sure, sure do. Well, anyway, um, the next morning, we go to London. And Aziraphale, quote, is looking at the bookshop. And he sees that there is a bunch of um, new... Hardbound leather books, but like of children's books. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, that's new. I, yeah. Crowley, I mean, I guess Crowley doesn't really have to do the acting right now because Heaven isn't here. But yeah, Zerval has like a way like grimmer set his face than usual and like yeah. doesn't move, like doesn't have expressions as much. So that's, that's the, the Crowley of it all. And, um, Crowley coat looks at the Bentley. Yeah. And you know, and you know Pretty. it's not him because he walks down Mayfair and his hips barely sway. That's true. And also, instead of going to the car, yeah. he takes a taxi. Yeah. He does smile very wide when he sees the car, though. That's nice. Yeah. We return to Adam. Basically, he's just talking to his mom, saying that, Hey, I tidied my room. Can I be ungrounded? Can we go outside? And she says, like, hey, like, your dad said that even if he didn't know why you were in trouble, you would know. And Adam's like, yeah. And 
he says he can't explain it to her, and she says that he can go out into the garden. Question for, like, the British people of the world. Do you guys really just say garden instead of backyard? Because every time they said the word garden in this episode, I was like, God, you guys are trying so fucking hard to do the Garden of Eden parallels. You guys are so fucking corny. Who even calls it a garden? That's the backyard. But, like, is that just the word? Do you guys just say garden when you mean backyard? Like, I love how you ask, like, British people. Yeah. I'm Filipino. We call it garden. Okay. <laughs> Slay. <laughs> I mean... In, so well, we don't know they, about the UK, though. I mean, wouldn't... No, I mean, I'm assuming they do. Yeah. Hopefully. Why would you not... I mean, the, like, the whole concept of a backyard is, like... I feel, like, so suburban, you know? Fair. And, like, I don't think it makes sense for, like, Adam, who lives in... For the youngs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Who lives in this, like, like, you know, provincial area... Sure. Do you call it provincial when it's Rural? something? It's, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Yeah. When it's like this, like, not, you know, yeah. the suburbs mm. area. To call it backyard feels so stupid. Well, I <laughs> like, it's I a garden. Garden yeah. is like. I feel like it's. I don't know. It's like a very specific thing to me. Like, you need to have, like,. Like certain, like a certain variety of plants and flowers and things in it, and like the purpose of it has to be to like cultivate and show off those plants and flowers to nope. me. But no, our coat, ga- our coat garden has plant boxes, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing in it, and it's a garden. All right, there's a bench too, I guess. But yeah, like I think for most, like here at least, like. Anything that's outside of the front door, but inside the gate, that's the garden. Even if there's, like, barely any plants in it. Mm. Okay. Good yeah. to know. I think the only times I see the word garden used are, like, like for, like, specific, like, tourist places where, like, they grow special rose yeah. bushes or whatever. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Good to know. Well... So, she says he can take Dog out into the garden, but he can't go anywhere else. Ah, uh, meanwhile. Newt and Anathema are in Jasmine Cottage in her bed together. <laughs> and it's like, the light is all soft and romantic, and they're just like, there and they're naked. Yay. So, they wake up together, and she finally asks him, I'm gonna regret asking this, but why is your car called Dick Turpin? And then he's like, oh, because he was a highwayman, and everywhere I go, I hold up traffic. And she's like, oh, I regret asking, tee-hee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> no, okay, I need to talk normal. <laughs> I hate them. Okay, so, 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 so. He starts getting up. And she's like, hey, Wishfinder Private, not a computer engineer. Did we save the world yesterday? And Newt's like, I don't know. And then she goes, you're a pretty good Wishfinder, though. I mean, you found me. Boo! Boo! Corny, not funny! Boo! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. What? What's the point? 
like we got what the joke was no, because, like, like when okay, they met listen to me right yeah so she doesn't necessarily remember that they saved the world yeah so to her this is like some weird hazy thing right yeah might as well not have happened might have as well been a dream they got together during that time yeah and we are to assume that she wanted him to be her boyfriend <laughs> yeah. because of the whole saving the world with the destroying the computer situation. Mm-hmm. So what now? <laughs> <laughs> so if that's forgotten... I mean, Agnes Nutter said that he had a big old swangin' dick. Maybe that's enough. <sighs> And they cut, they cut some lines from the script where Anathema, before, before she says the whole, like, hey, did we just save the world yesterday? Before that, she says, it's so weird. I've lived all my life according to Agnes's prophecies, and now there aren't any more prophecies. I can do whatever I like. I'm like a train that got to the end of the tracks and still has to keep on going. And Newt says, from now on, you'll head into the future with everything coming as a surprise, just like the rest of us. Anathema says she feels lost, and he says it's called being human. You'll get used to it. They're not well-written lines, but they would have given us a little bit more Anathema character. Like, I can't believe, like, he cut those, but he kept like, Ooh, flirty flirty, you found me, I'm a witch, tee-hee-hee. The thing is, like, towards the end of the Anathema situation, when when she's about to burn it, she was like, she is acting like she wants to do it, but she doesn't like the idea of doing it. But she like does actually want to do it, yeah. and then well, like what pushes her it's becomes sweet. then like yeah, nude yeah yeah, and it's like we you should we should have just given her more of you know yeah. give her more yeah not even like anything better just more yeah exactly it's just about like the percentage of her personality that seems to be related to wanting to escape the prophecies just up that yeah or like having complicated feelings about it you know so that when the decision is made it's like oh this is a difficult decision and this is motivated by like something or other and not just newt being like and i'm also here (laughs) and i'm going to say lines you know like yeah. 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 I will say that it's better than in the book. They give her less agency in the book. So he tried. He didn't do good enough, though. Well, what do you mean? What did they do in the book? Oh, in the book, she's not even there when the package arrives. And Newt considers just burning it by himself. But then he, like, but then she comes out into the room and sees it. Like, And then he Damn. just says the, like, do you want to be a descendant all your life thing? And she's like, okay, fine. <laughs> so it's better than in the book. So, yeah, so she, like, settles back in bed and smiles herself. Ugh! Alright, um, now we got to St. James's Park. Okay, can I just yeah. say, I hate Neil Gaiman so much. Good. Like, doing the whole, um, you know, like, they can't be gay because gender, whatever. Like, when he does do gender, I suppose. This isn't even doing gender. This is just having women. Yeah. It's like, they're so terribly written. Yeah. 
And now you're pulling the like, oh, but like whatever, whatever card that it's like, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it's like, it's I so know that you wrote them as men, because if you didn't, they yeah, would be you way worse people. <laughs> God, I hate you, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Oh, Neil yeah, Gaiman. Oh, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> so we're in St. James's Park. And there's, like, a brass band playing Queens Lazy on a Sunday afternoon, which I thought was pretty fun. We get a moment with, like, the Br- a British secret agent and a Russian secret agent talking about how the government's decided everything that happened yesterday was a mass hallucination. Except the Kraken apparently ate the British trade delegation. And I love the implication that Adam did not bring those guys back. <laughs> He just—he's like, well, I'm bringing people back, but not the British trade delegation. And so, okay, we have Aziraphale and Crowley at the ice cream like stand or whatever, and Crowley orders them a strawberry lolly and a vanilla with a flake, and they're doing a great job at doing each other's body language. But Aziraphale's a better actor, like. Because, like, Crowley, in quotes, is, like, leaning on the van. Yeah. I Do we need to clarify who we're talking about when we say Aziraphale and Crowley? Um. I mean, I don't even know. Yeah, okay. Most of the time when I say Aziraphale or Crowley, I am going to talk. I am going to do it based off of the body. But then I will say, like, the actual person when I'm talking about, like, the acting or anything that they're doing to try to make it seem more likely? Sure. Okay, yeah, because, mm-hmm. like, Aziraphale's, like, doing a thing where he's, like, leaning against the the cart with his elbow and all that, and it looks very, very like Crowley. Though, I think one yeah. body language thing that gives them away is that um, the Crowley, in quotes, is, like, standing still, whereas Aziraphale's, like, sort of walking in, like, a circle behind him. And generally, like, for example, in the Globe in 1601, it's, like, usually Aziraphale is the ever-fixed mark, and Crowley is usually the one who's orbiting him. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, so... It reminds me so much of that one, um... Yeah. Art, where it's Aziraphale in the middle, and then Crowley's, like, changing outfits... Oh, oh it's, yeah! Oh, the, the 60s lesbian The 60s lesbian yeah, I, I fucking so love it. Um, we'll, we'll reblog it when when this episode yeah. comes out. It's so good. Yeah. So wonderful. Okay. Great. Discourse of the century, right? The Crowley body gets the strawberry lolly, <laughs> and the Xerophil body gets the vanilla with a flake, right? So... Mm. Is this part of the disguise, or is this their preferred ice creams? Disgust. Damn, who would give a <laughs> shit? Well, many people I would assume. Yeah. I don't know. What do, what do you think? Um, I can really see it either way. I think that it's more fun to me that Crowley likes vanilla ice cream just because of, you know, how he's the demon, etc., etc. But I think that generally Aziraphale has, like, more, like, classy taste in food. And I think that the vanilla with a flake does look a little fancier than, like, frozen strawberry juice. So, 
Yeah, I think that they're eating the- I think that it's part of the disguise who's eating what ice cream. Yeah, I think Crowley would like the strawberry rolly more. Yeah. I'm- I'm- I like- in my head, I'm- like, the way I was trying to do it was like, in my head, I was trying to imagine Crowley having the vanilla ice cream Mm. and then having the strawberry lolly. Uh Uh-huh. And then I realized that, like- Every time I imagine Crowley in my head, it's always like long hair from 2005 or whatnot. Really? That is so important to me. Yeah. Yeah, she is always long haired 2005 Crowley to me. Yeah. Season three, please, 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 please. I Please, please, please. I know it probably makes David Tennant's job like way harder and it's already so hard, but like, please, (laughs) please. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah. Each of them asked yeah, the other the about, yeah, the car and the bookshop. And it's like, no, everything's great. And neither of our people have been in touch yet. And Crowley asks, do you understand what happened yesterday? And Aziraphale says, I understand some of it, but some of it is just a bit too. And then Death, who's been feeding the ducks is like says ineffable and then fades away and Crowley's like hey that's meant to be bad luck to see him here and then Aziraphale is gone he has been kidnapped by the angels who are like in like gardener outfits sort of like for the park and they've tied, they've like tied yeah. his ear fell up and they've put tape over his mouth, which I think is so funny. And <laughs> Uriel goes, renegade angels all tied up with strings. And Sandolphin goes, these are a few of our favorite things. I think it's a bit much. The, the sound of music thing was funny in the first episode. And now we're like sort of done. And Crowley's yelling like, hey, hey, stop them. But then Haster, disguised as an Asian woman tourist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, goes, what's wrong, love? And then fucking wax Crowley with a crowbar. I personally would not have Haster disguised as an Asian woman tourist, but... You know what? Neil Gaiman made a choice. I'm not gonna spend time lingering on it. As Crowley passes out, he goes, It's not a problem. It's tickety-boo. And, yeah. I love you. I love you, Crowley. I love you, Aziraphale. Etc. Etc. We cut back to these scenes in heaven and hell. In heaven, Aziraphale's tied up. And he's being like, seriously, a kidnapping in broad daylight. Gabriel calls him, like, a traitor, etc. And Xerophil says, well, I think the greater good demanded. Gabriel, Gabriel goes, don't talk to me about the greater good, sunshine. I'm the archangel fucking Gabriel. And the other angels are very excited about something that's about to happen. And that makes me sad that they're so excited about, like, perma-killing Aziraphale. Sorry that they're all so not niceies. Meanwhile, hell, Crowley's trial wraps up and, you know, guilty. That's what all the other demons watching through the glass are saying as well. Beelzebub asks about final words, and Crowley asks, What's it gonna be, then? 
and eternity in the deepest pit, at which I go, they had to have so much trust that Agnes Nutter's prophecy applied to them. Because what if it really was? Yeah. What if it really was? I mean, yeah. I just, like, yeah. I mean, they could have thrown Crowley through the the deepest pits of hell for eternity. Yeah. And Aziraphale will just be there forever. for fucking ever. I just, yeah, I, like, I want, like, they either had to have so much trust or they had to, like, have a really long conversation where, like, Aziraphale was like, no, I promise that I'm, like, willing to take the risk or whatever, because I don't think Crowley would just, like, let that happen. Like, I mean, Heaven would probably also have some pretty bad punishments. I feel like, I feel like there's, like, a big chance for both of them that their punishment would involve never being able to return to the Earth. And, like, not involve holy yeah. water or hellfire. So, yeah, they had to really trust Agnes Nutter. Or they had to, like, they had to, like, really understand their head offices and, like, know that this is the, the like, way that they would punish a traitor, either from, like, previous experience or just, like, understanding them in a way that I don't. Yes. Yeah. Also, like insanely lucky i guess Aww. that when you go to heaven your body comes with you yeah yeah truly there's also i mean yeah. crowley crowley mm-hmm. demon mm-hmm. who entered a church and had it burning his feet like being oh yeah this is i tried to do the voice but i forgot the line so like what is the situation? This is an answer. It's just heaven. that heaven and hell are neither of them are like they're both just like neutral ground. That seems awfully convenient, but okay. Yeah, it does seem pretty convenient. A lot of this is like I there's like a lot of plot hole ish things in this, and I think that's also part of why on the third watch it sort of falls apart. Like yeah, seriously, like. What if it was an eternity in the deepest pit? What if it was like your punishment is that we put you in the bucket with the crabs that like to eat your penis for 300 years? Like, what? Xerophil would just have to be in the bucket with <laughs> yeah. the crabs that eat your penis for 300 years? <laughs> like, come on. I mean, do you do you think he would 1984 that situation or do you think he could bear it? What do you mean? Um, in 1984, like, the, the Winston or whatever the main character is, like... Finally, they're like, we're gonna, like, use your, like, worst fear on you. We're gonna, like, put your face into, like, a cage full of starving rats. And at the last minute, he realizes, oh, I know how to get out of this. And he shouts, like, do it to Julia. Do it to Julia. Not me. I don't care what you do to her. Tear her face off. Strip her to the bones. Not me, Julia. Because, like, it's, like, his, like, their relationship is what caused him to rebel or whatever. And, like, the torture is to, like, break him so that he finally gives that up and they betray each other forever, etc., etc. Anyway, what is Xerophil 1984 (laughs) You think he would? I think Xerophil will let the crabs eat his penis. Okay, he would let the crabs eat his penis. (laughs) Good. Yeah, I'd like to believe that he would, too, but... I don't know. Sounds like a painful thing to go through. Luckily, so, so luckily for them. Haster thinks that letting the punishment fit the crime, as in, like, a painful but quick death, 
is somehow worse than the penis eating crabs. <laughs> so he, yeah. So I guess is I guess it's because eating crabs are reference to anything. No. <laughs> No, it's just the first thing I thought of. I think it, it might be a it might be a misremembered punishment from the good place. I think there's like some kind of like snakes that eat your penis or something like that that they mention in the good place as being a punishment in the bad place. Right. So it's it's holy water. It's holy water, baby. Um I guess okay, I guess for an immortal being who, like, for whom, like, immortality is considered just a fact of life, I guess, like, a complete and utter annihilation is sort of like an eldritch horror beyond their comprehension. Right? Like, I can sort of see. I mean, the thing about, the thing about the penis-eating crabs (laughs) is that you'll still be alive. Yeah. So. And that's, like, something that they're into, like... Do demons like their lives? Do you like your life? I mean, I don't live in, like, the world's crustiest basement. <laughs> That's not really an answer, though. So. <laughs> I was gonna ask, do you like your life? And you would probably answer yes. And I'll be like, okay, I'll shut up. And you say, it's fine. And I'll ask, do you want to die? But, like, maybe that's <laughs> the way this conversation should go for real but yeah yeah, i don't but anyway (laughs) like i don't want to die but anyway so yeah and the demons don't also yeah that's fair even though they live in a basement that is quite damp yeah (laughs) it is pretty damp yeah someone comes down the elevator and it's the archangel michael She's on a new outfit than usual. It's like this flowy white top with big ruffly sleeves. It's alright. And she has this jug of holy water. When she appears, Crowley goes, The Archangel Michael, that's unlikely. I'm sorry that Aziraphale didn't realize until now that Heaven and Hell were collaborating like this. This must hurt a little bit, even if he's cast off Heaven. Or has he? She pours the water into a bathtub. Meanwhile, in heaven, we see that one of the disposable demons has come up with a bunch of hellfire and made a big old tower of flame. Isn't it so wild that hell got an archangel? Yeah. And heaven got some guy? Yeah. Heaven's well, I guess Ligger yeah, is meant, I guess, and yeah, Ligger, Ligger was meant connection. to be the representative for Hell, and he's like a Duke of Hell and all that. So this is just, you know, yeah. substitute stepping in. Um, yeah. Master throws the Jabba the Hutt demon into the holy water to test it, and, you know, dies screaming. Disintegrates. Yeah. And Crowley gets a chance at one last word, and he says, Oh, this is a new jacket, and I'd hate to ruin it. Do you mind if I take it off? Aziraphale's having the time of his life here. I'm so happy for him. And, oh, it's it's nice. Like, it is like a, oh, Crowley's so cool and unaffected thing. But it's also like an Aziraphale cares deeply about his clothes and he believes that Crowley would also. 
is this one you sent me? Is Crowley shirtless under the jacket? And I said, no, sorry. No, no, no. It was before that. Okay. No, I I sent you that, like, during the trial scene or whatnot. Yeah, you do because, see a lot like, of chest hair. Like, you see, like, a, a slip of, of, like, the, the tie. And then you see a lot of chest hair. Like, I feel like later, like, Crowley's, like, bathing suit. I don't think he had that on, like, what? earlier. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mesh yeah. with, like, the amount of skin you can see under the jacket. Yeah. But also, I don't think Aziraphale would miracle it on, because if Heaven can tell that he does frivolous miracles, then, like, wouldn't they get a notification that he, like, miracled a bathing suit on himself? <laughs> Do you think he excused himself to a room over and was like, I'm just gonna put on a bathing <laughs> suit, you guys. For real. We fade into... Shadwell reading a book with the Jab of the Hot Demon in it, and it's your turn. Ha ha ha. Yeah, Shadwell's there. And then Madam Tracy comes in. And, okay, I, I mean, know. yeah, you skip, yeah. He's wearing different clothes. I, yeah, no, I, I, I need to spend some time on this. Of all the things yeah. that I hate the most about what they do with Shadwell and Madam Tracy, it is this outfit that I... That just makes me the most fucking livid. You want you want to hear what it says in the script book, Gray? Okay, go the on. The door opens. It's Madame Tracy. She looks well. She looks normal. Not like a medium. Not like a sex worker. Not like an eccentric. Just rather off-puttingly normal. Neil Gaiman. Hey, 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 hey. Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. You wanna you wanna reread the sentences? She looks normal, not like a sex worker. Back to me again, Neil Gaiman. Is that something you'd sort of wanna repeat to me out loud to my face? Is that something you wanna repeat out loud to anyone's face, Neil Gaiman? Just a question that I have yeah. about the world. It is so frustrating that. This entire show, Shadwell has been so horrible, yeah. so horrible, and the way they try to resolve this is to just go, well, let's just completely change Madam Tracy. Yeah, let's just, she quits her job, she's not a sex worker anymore, and now, look, she has blonde hair, it's down, she's wearing more quote-unquote natural makeup, she's wearing an incredibly modest sweater and skirt. Like, she, look at her. She's a, she's in her trad wife, Christian girl, Autumn getup. Don't you like seeing that? Isn't that what you want? <laughs> Hello? Like, they, they gave zero character development to both of these characters, yeah. right? There's no, like, sense of direction for both of them. They just decided at the very end that Let's pair the one spares. of them's gonna do a massive change. Yeah. Yeah, let's do massive change for one of them. Because if we don't, they're never going to get along. But the party that gets to, that has to change must be Madam Tracy. And it's like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I hate you, Neil Gaiman. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, all the lead-up to this was just Shadwell being incredibly disrespectful of her and her being like, I'm into that. <laughs> like, okay. Okay, Neil Gaiman. Whatever you want. Just go ahead. Who give a shit anymore? She ha she comes in 
and says that, oh, I, you know, have a place for you at my table. And, like, Shadow's like, oh, in your den of iniquity. And it's like, okay, fine, whatever, who give a shit. And then they go. They sit and there. And they waste these beautiful crane shots on this. Yeah. It's just horrible. They had to, they had to do horrible. a big old, like, setup for that. It costs money, it costs time, it costs people. And for what? And for what? They have, it's like, just, this- it's very much a, like, oh, we have, you know, two, this two older yeah, people. They're they similar ages and they're both single. Like, we can't have that now, can and we? And it's a man and a woman. Woo! And then she literally says, when she invites him, she literally says that it would man. be nice to have a man around the house. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah. It's literally just he's there and he's a man. Which, like, is fine if that's, like, what you want with your life. But, like, Neil Gaiman wrote all of this. And therefore, yeah. as a result, she. What did Pepper say? Another deluded victim of the patriarchy. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, back in the fucking. Is this still the cottage? Is this still um Jasmine Cottage? Um, yeah. Well, in Jasmine Cottage, there's a lawyer who comes in and is asking for Mrs. Walsifer. Boo! 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 First off, first off, proves that whatever they did, like, getting together, maybe when it happened, Anathema was like, Agnes said it only happened once, and I want to prove her wrong, because I want to go against fate, so he's my boyfriend now. No, not going against fate. This was known and predicted already. Boo. Second, Mrs. Wal- she has a PhD. She has a fucking PhD, Neil Gaiman. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. I hate you so much. I hate you so much. As Anathema said in my fic that I don't want to recommend because it's bad, turns out that we have nothing in common but my ancestor predicted that we would fuck and then told us we would get married using phrasing that ignores my PhD isn't a very solid basis for a relationship. Ugh. It's Dr. Pulsifer. If you're gonna do fucking anything, it's Dr. Pulsifer. I hope everyone dies. There has been a letter and a package from 300 years ago in this fucking, like, lawyer place for five ever. Yeah, basically it says, at this day, at this time, at this blah, 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 give this to this place. Mm-hmm. And then they do. Yeah. Anathema's not very happy. Like, when she comes in and she sees the box and she says, it's Agnes, I recognize the style. Her sentences are quite clipped. And when Batacomb starts getting excited about the box, she just, like, sort of shoves it at him and goes, you open it. So, like, you know, the actress is doing the best she can with the material she's been given. <laughs> anyway, the lawyer does- there's this bit with the lawyer where he, like, opens it, and then the first letter is for him, and then it's like, oh, you're cheating on your wife. Whatever. And then Anathema does open the package. And apparently it's even more nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. Yeah. She's a bit teary yeah. in disappointment at the end. Sorry, girl. And then... Oh, just the specifics about Shadwell and Tracy, yeah. Yes. I don't fucking know. She just says, like, hey, I'm moving out. I have enough money. 
I'm going out of London. You want to come with? Mm. And then he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, there's the pop the question so joke. Yeah. We're going to pop the question. And then instead of like, you know, you want to get married or whatever, it's how many nipples do you have? Yeah. And, and she says, just the two. Yeah. Also, when he asks the question, he goes, how many nipples have you got, Jezebel? And then she goes, retired, Jezebel. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. He doesn't use her name once in this fucking show. And the solution to that is just, oh, I quit the job that you don't like that I have. Like, she also did it for herself, but I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Back in heaven, Aziraphale's like, hey, you want to reconsider? We're meant to be the good guys. For heaven's sake. And Gabriel's like, for heaven's sake, we're meant to make examples out of traitors, so go into the flame. And Aziraphale goes, well, lovely knowing you all. May we meet on a better occasion. Which is, I guess, Crowley being like, I think Aziraphale would be nice here, but also kind of bitchy. And I don't, what do you think is, yeah. do you, this is probably what real Aziraphale would say-ish. Right? This seems about right. Well, if Aziraphale is aware that he's going to live after this, I think he oh, would say this. Yeah, okay, if he thought he was going to die, what what would be up? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. I don't think Aziraphale is the type to accept death graciously. Not this kind, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the only time we really see him scared is when the angels corner him. It's very different from his, like, oh my god, don't just corporate me. It'll be so annoying. And, like, that is a lot yeah. of, like, it is, like, a lot of, like, well, you mustn't stop, please. But it's also, like, like he also does the we're meant to be the good guys thing. Yeah, I don't I don't think he would accept gracious, death graciously. This is true. Gabriel goes, shut your stupid mouth and die already. And then that's, like, a sarcastic smile. Like, uh-huh. You know, and um, Crowley like copies this, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? and yeah, oh my god, the face here is so good, I love it so much. Uh-huh. Like, I think the thing about um, Azurafil in Crowley's body, mm-hmm. right, is that it is very much a you know, he's having fun mm. and also. The the intention is to threaten, yes, like you know hell, mm-hmm. to be like leave this guy mm-hmm. alone. You know, I think like Crowley is a lot angrier. Yes, at heaven, because yeah. I think Aziraphale like the whole time was like, yeah, I mean hell's bad because that's what I believe. Of course, it'd be awful down there. I think Crowley yeah. knows that heaven is bad, but like doesn't really have, like, specifics as well as Aziraphale has come up with specifics in his mind, and yeah, he is angry. Aziraphale gets ushered forward into the flame, and before we see what happens, we cut to hell. We don't see Crowley, but we see, like, all the other demons looking scared and hissing and things, and then we see that it's because Crowley is in the bathtub splashing about and having a great time. And yeah, he's wearing this like one piece bathing a... suit, one piece black bathing yeah. suit, and like like calf 
socks, like black socks that are very tall. Why is he wearing socks? <laughs> yeah, David Tennant was like, I've seen wiki feet, men. <laughs> no more. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And the socks are socks completely and not just dry. socks, like long. Yeah, long, long socks. I don't know. It's so fun. It's such a look. And the socks are completely dry, which means that, like, Curly had to, like, go to the edge of the bathtub and then, like, backwards scoot, sit his butt on it, and then, like, flop <laughs> back. Because, yeah, the, the, both of, both of his legs are, like, up and, like, propped up on both sides of yes. the bathtub. So. Yeah, keeping those socks dry. In the script, he was supposed to be wearing nothing but his underpants, but honestly, the bathing suit's more fun. Yeah, okay, Aziraphale's just having the best time of his fucking life. He goes like, I don't suppose in all the nine circles of, circles of hell there's a such thing as a rubber duck. Which, yeah, you're so cute, you're so fun. And then we cut back to heaven, and Aziraphale, in quotes, is inside the flames, and cracks his neck and having a good old time and then he breathes fire at the angels it's great i love how both of them did have the opportunity to straight up murder the other one's bosses but they didn't maybe they should have yeah but also that doesn't that goes against like their point they don't want retaliation they just want to be left alone the angels are going it may be worse than we thought, and what is he? Meanwhile, Beelzebub in hell goes, like, oh, he's not one of us anymore. So, both sides think that they're now some kind of, like, angel-slash-demon-slash-human hybrid thing? <laughs> no, I mean, at this point, uh-huh. at this point, I was already asking you. They switched bodies, didn't they? And you were like, you'll see. Yeah. And later, and, you said... Like, at this point, I still was... Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's true because Crowley is so Crowley. Uh-huh. And, like, I mean, as I've said earlier in this episode, Aziraphale has been... Like, we saw Aziraphale in, like, a combat mm-hmm. situation. And he does act different. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe, like, it's, you know, an ongoing thing from that. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. So I, I was like... At the beginning, I was like, they switch bodies. And then I was like, uh, but Aziraphale is acting the way he acted in the apocalypse. And Crowley is acting like Crowley, so maybe not? Yeah. What is going on? No. Aziraphale as Crowley goes, So, you're probably thinking, if he can do this, I wonder what else he can do. And very, very soon, you're all going to get the chance to find out. And smiles, like, menacingly with, like, full yellow eyes. And it's so nice that he's just trying so hard to keep Crowley safe. Isn't that so nice? And Beelzebub is like, ah, shit, we have to get Crowley out of here. Gonna start a riot. Michael comes back to pick up the water. Very shocked at Crowley still being alive. And Aziraphale tells her, Michael, dude... Do us a quick miracle, will you? I need a bath towel. Very fun. And then goes, I think it would be better for everyone if I were to be left alone in the future, don't you? And all the demons nod. And Michael, too. Yeah. Good for him. How do you think Aziraphale, like, got out of there? 
just walked out. Yeah, um, there's a cut. Aziraphale is in, in heaven. Yeah, I don't, I guess. I don't, can Crowley control Hellfire or whatever? If he could, like, have a little bit of it in his hand the whole time as he walked out, I feel like it'd be pretty easy. But yeah, I wish we saw more of the heaven scene. Like, does Crowley say anything there? Like, what's up? But yeah, I guess we're supposed to assume that Crowley basically says the same thing as Aerophil says, and then there's a deleted scene in the script where it's just, like, both of them, like, one of them, both of them are, like, in the elevator, or in different elevators, but they both show up back on Earth. They look at each other, and then Aziraphale in quotes goes, Now that was playing with fire. Corny. Would have been cute to see, though. You go to Newton Anathema, and this is the scene we were talking about earlier with, like, Anathema trying to burn the prophecies. Mm. Newt pulls the, do you want to be a descendant all your life? And then, you know, she burns it. Yeah. Do you like how her story ends? I remember when I watched it in the past, I was like, I think I didn't catch the signs of Anathema wanting to escape Agnes Nutter as much, so it read a lot more as it was just Newt saying that that caused her to do it, and I was like, no, just give her the fucking book back. But, you know, I've had time. It makes sense for an ending, I just wish Newt wasn't part of it. The thing is, um... I was thinking about this, like, did Anathema want this? I think I'm having the opposite experience mm. as you. Like, maybe I just projected too hard into a rock. <laughs> about free will shit, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, as always, you know, your experiences and your beliefs in life will always shape how you see everything. Mm. And I guess my beliefs etc has shaped it so that I saw anathema as wanting to get out and etc but like now I'm like well did she? I don't know I don't know and we'll never know cause oh I guess I gave that away then she doesn't doesn't come back now yeah my god my god well they have those two lesbians I mean, I, <laughs> I just, I don't think Neil Gaiman is very good at writing human characters, and the only thing that was going for the human characters in this show were that they had interest, interesting premises, but if the premise for your boring human characters next season are just, they own a coffee shop, like, just die. <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah. Oh, Adam is also there. And <laughs> what a way to start. I like this scene. Anyway, um, Adam is in the garden and the other Dems are running up to him and saying like, hey, like, let's get out. Um, let's go. Let's go somewhere. But he's saying like, no, I can't. I'm grounded for years and years. Yeah. They ask like, what happened last night? But they don't remember. Doesn't matter. When he says, like, oh, I'll be grounded for years and years. And, like, someone asks, like, what about tomorrow? And he's like, oh, yeah, tomorrow's okay. <laughs> I'll forget it by tomorrow. The three go out 
off to like a circus somewhere and Adam's just playing in the garden when Dog is trying to go out and Adam is like, oh, Dog, like, get away from the hedge because if you don't, like, I'll have to chase you. And if you have, if you went, I would run and I'll run and I'm not allowed of the garden. But if you go, I'll have to go. And, you know, it's mm. it's, a, it's a cute yeah. scene. And then Dog does run off well, spe- after the hedge gets, yeah. like, magically removed. Yeah, so Adam is yeah. not entirely human. Adam still has the powers. Yeah. You know, running through the field, running through the meadow, God starts talking again. Yeah. And it's... um, Something told Adam that, you know, something was coming to an end. Not the world, but just the summer. And we see Adam, like, looking over the meadow and sees Anathema and Newt, and they wave at each other. Mm-hmm. There would be other summers, but there would never be one like this. Never again. Adam sees an apple tree, gets one, takes a bite out of it. Or we hear R.P. Tyler, like, in the background going, like, Oh, I'll tell your father, like, you, boy. Mm -hmm. And God continues on saying, like, Oh, well, Adam couldn't see why people made such a fuss about other people eating their apples. But the life would be a lot less fun if they didn't. And there never was an apple, in Adam's opinion. That wasn't worth the trouble you got into for eating it. Yeah. What a good place to end the show. What a place where you could just end the show. Like, I like the next scene, but, like, this should have been the last scene. I like it. Yeah. I, this is what I was saying earlier, like, I was trying to think about it, but then I stopped. And I was like, I'll let Crystal do the thinking. What? Wait, what am I thinking about? I don't know. What are you thinking about? Just that this is a good place to end the show and that it's just about how, like, I don't know, humanity is always going to make the choice of knowledge and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I suppose that is all it is. I was trying to think, like, what's the, what's the deeper meaning or whatever. But, again, I keep on saying this. I like that, 11, that, I like that Adam is 11 so mm-hmm. much. Like... This is him now, and he's thinking all these things, and it's like, you know, he's gonna grow up. Yeah. He's gonna be a miserable teenager, probably. You know what? He's going to be okay. Yeah. Do you you still talk to all the people you used to play with when you were 11? I mean, I met Janica when I was 11. Yeah, but that's not school. That's not playing on the street. Oh, I didn't play on the street. Oh. Well, that's sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, that's such a no. mean thing to say, I feel. That's sad. Your childhood is so no, sad. No, I mean, I that I was not offended. I think that it is true. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm. Do you? Occasionally. Um, they're my neighbors, so I talk to them occasionally. Mm. But not as much as I did yeah. when I was 11, of course. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like, these four went through so much. But they're also 11. Yeah. They're gonna grow out of it. I also thought I went through so much with my friends when I was 11. Mm. Then I grew out of it. Yeah. Well, they're gonna be okay. So, we go back to St. James's Park. It, like, all of the show starts with, like, the god narration. Like, it begins as it will end in a garden. And that's because the Adam scene is the last one in the book. But then they just shuffled stuff around. 
And then, like, they just slapped this into St. James's Park so they could be like, well, that's also a garden in it. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're it's in St. James's Park. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they've returned. And they're not acting anymore. So, Aziraphale, um, in ah! quotes, is, you know, yeah. lounged across the bench. And Crowley, in quotes, is sitting with his hands on his lap and, like, talking primly and things. Yeah. David Tennant's Michael Sheen voice. Good Very lord. Good. Would love to hear more of it outside of that ten-minute bookshop yeah. reading. But, yeah. And Michael the- Sheen? No comment? What? Oh, no yeah, you, you want to fuck him when he's here, I guess. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's, he he's is, hot, he sure. so good. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was, like, oh, Crowley, whatever, like, I, I think maybe, like, Crowley is just inherently hot. Yeah, regardless of who plays Crowley, yeah. Yeah, regardless of anything, yeah. yeah. Good for him. And the way that they're sitting. Like, the first time we... <laughs> God, I sound stupid. Okay, so the first time we see them in St. James's Park in episode one, right? Like, they're also both sitting on the bench, and, like, they're, like, sitting... Pr- like, they're sitting on opposite ends of the bench, and Crowley has, like, the... has, like, an arm out stretched over the middle of the bench, sort of leaning against it, and then is also leaning against his airfield. In this situation, they're sitting next to each other. Crowley's still leaning towards yes. Zerophil, and the arm that's stretched out is, like, f- like away from them, like, towards the edge of the bench. So it's, like, the same position, but mirror swapped so that they can be next to each other. And isn't that nice? They check that no one's watching, and then they swap back by holding hands and then having, like, a, an ugly effect happen. Crowley's collar, which this whole time has been tartan, changes back to red, and she goes, Tartan collar, really? And Aziraphale goes, Tartan is stylish! Wait, that's what happens! I did not catch that. Oh, yeah. Aziraphale was like, I need to act so, so well as Crowley, but I refuse to have this fucking red collar on I needed to be tartan. Aziraphale is delighted, like, fucking, like, clapping his hands, going, so, Agnes Nutter's last prophecy was on the money, and then he leans in a little conspiratorially and goes, I asked them for a rubber duck, and made the Archangel Michael miracle me a towel, and they both laugh, they're having a great time, it's wonderful. Okay, so Crowley says, they'll leave us alone for a bit, if you ask me. Both sides are going to use this as breathing room before the big one. Um, and Aziraphale's like, I thought that was the big one. But Crowley says, for my money, the really big one is all of us against all of them. A.K.A. heaven and hell against humanity. Which, I guess, is like a hint at a sequel, but that was in the book, too. I don't know. Interesting idea. Probably gonna happen in season three. Looking forward to it, I suppose. Crowley says, time to leave the garden. 
God, you really tried so yeah. hard. <laughs> you tried so hard and not raw at all. I mean, maybe it's like a self-referential, like, hee-hee, Eden thing. Whatever. And Curly goes, let me tempt you to a spot of lunch. And Azumal says, so cute. Temptation accomplished. Doing like a... What is he like? He's like bouncing basically when he says it, and it's very fun. Like I feel like this is like they're both finally like fully aware, like that this is like that they're doing role play. Yeah, Yeah. they're on like the exact same level about how this is role play now, and that's fun. That's fun for them, and they go to the Ritz, and we have like. Diegetic, someone in the Ritz is playing a nightingale sing in Barclay Square. It's Toriyama singing, I think. And, yeah, I know I, I complained about the lines they say here earlier, but looking at their faces did cause me to forgive everything that Neil Gaiman ever did and ever will do. But I'll, I'll become a hater again soon. But, they look so in love. I don't know how to explain it. You just have to look at it. Ah! <laughs> ah! Yeah. So, they're, yeah, you know, they're at their table. A waiter comes over and pours them champagne. And Aziraphale goes, I like to think none of this would have worked out if you weren't, at heart, just a little bit a good person. And Crowley with just the most fucking adoring expression says, And if you weren't, deep down, just enough of a bastard to be worth knowing. And they cheers. Crowley says, to the world. To the world. Zirkel says, to the world. And oh, God. Okay, like, 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 like. Okay, after Crowley says the bastard line, though. Okay, this is, like, a thing that Aziraphale does a lot, and it makes me crazy, where it's, like, he looks at a, he looks at Crowley, he smiles, and then he looks away looking kind of, like, guilty, or, like, he feels like he's overindulging, and then he flicks his eyes back up at him for, like, a second. Like, the, the look away, look back is, it's crazy, it's crazy. They're in love. What's happening? Is anyone else seeing this? Hello? Is anybody else? Are they in love? <sighs> yeah, this scene did nothing for me. What? <laughs> yeah, I did not give a single but, shit. But, 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 but he's, the smile is, he, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't care. Wow. I'm rewatching it right now to understand your vision. And. Okay, I see. Okay. Whatever. <gasps> I still don't really give a shit. Okay. This is what I mean when I say that, like, if I watched, if I binged this mm-hmm. show, I would have not given a shit about it. Okay. That's fine. I mean, that is what I assumed was going to happen when this podcast started, I suppose. You know what I like, though? What? Like, as it's zooming They're out, talking. they start having a conversation. Yes. And we don't hear yeah. it. For obvious reasons, I think. Yeah. I mean, the the reasons that I like them are pretty obvious, but... Yeah. Yeah, we're not privy to yeah. it. And that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing, you guys. Yeah. 
As, yeah. As, yeah, it's such a fun-looking conversation, because Aziraphale's gesturing so spiritedly. Yeah. And, like, not and they're, like, moving, laughing a bit. But you yeah. can see that they're, like, smiling and laughing at bits. And it's mm-hmm. nice. And God does, like, a narration thing where it's... Perhaps the recent exertions had had some fallout in the nature of reality. Because while they were eating for the first time ever, a nightingale actually did sing in Barclay Square. Nobody heard it over the noise of the traffic, but it was there right enough. And, yeah, we close with the song. I mean, nobody heard it because of the traffic. Okay. Great. What did you think about this episode? It's fine. <laughs> you, yeah. It is fine, though. Mm. Yeah. I feel like most things were not wrapped up satisfactorily to me, but also, like, it, yeah, there you go. But also, they're in love, so, yeah. Well, guess moment? I don't know. I think I have two. No, actually, there's a lot. I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> I love how I went, I don't know. And <laughs> you're like, it, there's a lot. Um, okay. I feel so guilty. What? It's I'm fun. You don't have to like it. About this episode. Also, like, yeah, well. Yeah, and you don't, so it's fine. Okay, I think, I think Aziraphale's smile, guilty look away, look back definitely gay. I think that the way Crowley says Angel on Angel, what if the Almighty planned it like this all along? Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, I get crazy it. making. I like the one where they sit together in the bus. Yeah. And I also think I'll never talk to you again being the threat is pretty gay. <laughs> Transis moment. I think Aziraphale in quotes being, like, less good at being a zero fail real is pretty trans. Like, Crowley not being as good of an actor is pretty trans, because that's not, that's not his favorite shape. <laughs> I, I thought just, I thought a horrible thing, which is that Madame Tracy is transgender in the Tumblr sense in this episode. <laughs> God, I hate Neil Gaiman so much. I hate him so much. Why is why does he write women this way? I don't know. It's very frustrating. I you know what? I will yeah. say one thing about Maggie and Nina next season, and it's that they seem like normal mm. people. <laughs> like they yeah. aren't It's not like a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. They aren't written in a way where the whole time Neil Gaiman was thinking about how they were women and how that would make him respect them less on his page. I, well, hmm, I just remembered a line. Most of the time, they're written like people. Great, what are your predictions for season two slash what do you remember from that time I ranted to you about it for an hour? Um, there's gonna be a kiss at the end. Yep. Which is going to... Which is initiated by Crowley mm. after a fight, and it will end with them parting ways. And the parting ways is Aziraphale goes to heaven, and Crowley doesn't want to come. Mm. That's such an odd thing. 
given where they end this season. Okay. I agree with that um, statement. <laughs> well, um, I know that there is a lesbian couple that they try to get together. And then when the lesbian couple gets together or something, maybe they don't get together. I'm not actually sure. They go to Crowley and say, hey, are you in love with the angel? And Crowley's like, yeah. And then he goes to confess. And that's when the divorce happens. God, that's miserable. Yeah, sorry, Crowley. Um, there's dancing. They do dancing. And, they and Crystal, you hate it. They because- don't pull out a single good camera angle for it. <laughs> oh, we're gonna use cranes for fucking Shadwell and Tracy. But like, oh no, we're just gonna have like five seconds of them dancing. We're not even gonna be Emma 2020 at all. We're not gonna use a crane shot either. We hate you. I think, oh, I know how it starts. There's going to be, well, there's going to be someone. What was it? Oh, angels, heaven, etc. They're both angels. They're both making stars or something. I'm booing very loudly in my head. And then I also know that, you know, the, the funny thing is I went into season one knowing absolutely yeah. nothing. I knew nothing yeah. about season one. Nothing. You know basically and everything like season about two, season think, two. Yeah, minus everything. I mean, I know like broad strokes, but I don't know how they come together mm. or anything. Well, do they come together? Is there enough writing to bring anything together? Are there even things to bring together? Questions we can ask ourselves next week. <laughs> oh, also, I know that there is. Oh, John Ham and uh, nakedness is gonna happen. Yeah, because C- I heard because I watched an interview for season two of Good Omens of um, Michael Sheen and David Tennant fully expecting that it will be spoiler free Mm -hmm. because you know it's an interview and you know they say oh it starts with john ham being naked and i was like okay yeah well that's in the trailers Um, so i don't watch trailers yeah yeah but i guess it's like it wouldn't be a spoiler in their minds yeah i know beelzebub and gabriel are together Mm. but like I don't know how that plays into the Aziraphale and Crowley situation. Mm. Are they like, oh my god, they're in love. Are we? Probably not, though. That's probably not a thought process, but whatever. I know that when Aziraphale asks Crowley to go to heaven, he kind of says, like, I can turn you into an angel again. Because that's the thesis of the enchanted <laughs> um, AMV. <laughs> Which I am obsessed with, mm-hmm. if I'm being for fucking real. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. it. That's all I know, I think. But, yeah, well, you do know basically all of it. Let's go. All right. Let us go. So. Ra- rating. Rating six. It's fine. I'll give it a seven. Oh, wait. I liked it more than you, but you're giving it a higher number. Should I revise my number? Well, I mean, okay, I'll go... I mean, you said that season two is bad, so I'm reserving my lower numbers for season oh, two. Oh, real. Also, the highest... I I think the lowest I've given is a seven. Really? I thought you gave a six for last episode. Episode five. Well, okay, did I? Okay, I'll give this a five. Oh, okay. I guess I'll... It's worse than last episode. I'll just, I'll just give it a six, same as last. Which seems both too high Ew. and too low. Anywhere the wind blows. Yeah. 
It's not that bad of an episode. It's just it's a lot a bad combination to the show. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Rubbish and Probably a Podcast. <laughs> Next week, we will be talking, yeah, about season 2, episode 1, The Arrival, or season 2, episode 1, chapter 1, The Arrival. Because they decided to be pretentious this what time. What the hell? Um, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. We interact through the account set up for our Supernatural Commentary podcast, Busty Asian Beauty. So we are on Tumblr at bustyasianbeautyspot.tumblr.com. And you can email us at bustyasianbeautyspot at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for everyone who is reaching yeah. out to us. So nice. So fun. Love talking thank about so the show much. with you guys. Thanks to everyone who's donated to our Kofi at ko-fi.com/slash pod. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. my escapades with fanfiction sure man go for it (laughs) well i started after um i watched the last episode Mm -hmm. of this season i messaged chris like hey do you have any like season one fix that you desperately want me to read so so bad so they sent some over and i read them (laughs) (laughs) you sure did (laughs) well not only did I read them, I I was like, you know, going back and forth between the browser and the Discord uh, message where Crystal sent them. And I'm like, this is so frustrating. You know what I'm going to do? I'm I going to make... I refuse to use the marked for later <laughs> or bookmark functions of AO3 built into no, the website. I don't like them. I don't like mm-hmm. the built-in bookmark and mark for red whatever function. Of the AO3 website. So I made a G sheet and actually I'm going to pull it up right now just so that we can see how much fix I have done. And it's like combination list of recommendations and also stuff that I have read. There's currently 119 fix in this thing. Slay. Isn't that a bit crazy? Yeah. I mean, I haven't read all of them, so. Congrats. Yeah. Fun. Thank you. Yeah. And you have reviews. I ha I do. It's um so it's title, author, link, length, category, which is just I added that earlier today because I realized that I have a very, very, very huge preference to if when Crowleyan is your fail or lesbians. <laughs> so like yeah. I just put the category in so I can find easier the lesbian ones. And then tropes mm-hmm. and details and remarks. And my remarks yeah. do vary in quality. So, mm. hell yeah. And a lot of them are just, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, the amount of fix that Crystal sent to me that I've replied with, it's fine, is truly <laughs> astounding. But some of them are yeah. not just fine. They are excellent. So, that's, you know. Yeah. You get some, what's, what's the term? You lose some, you gain some? You, you, you win, win some, some, you lose some. some. Yeah.
Yeah. I've lost quite a bit, but it's okay. I'm very strong. <laughs> yeah. They they also have the fucking horsemen in Supernatural, right? They do? And Oh, yeah. In, like, My Bloody Valentine, there's, like, that famine yeah. guy. Famine, yeah. Beth is in the next episode we're going to discuss in Bad Pod. Yeah, um, in, like, two months. Month and a yes. half. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to go back to Supernatural. <laughs> well, you know what? After Good Omen Season 2, I'll be begging to go back to Supernatural. Yeah, probably. Okay, yeah. wait. How are you finding reading the book? Because I couldn't actually do it the first time I tried because I was like, this is too similar to the show and I'm bored. Like, I needed some time away from the show before I could actually get through the book the first time. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be the case? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I, I got to... Right now, I am just immediately after like adam gets the dog mm. yeah and it's like oh, fine whatever yeah and it's like it's boring <laughs> i don't know i don't i mean it's not boring it's a funny book but it's not that funny it's fine i i have other books that i want to read so yeah you know what i mean yeah are and you, there's are other you doing the audience fan fiction that are in my <laughs> yes. sheets no, okay. not doing the audiobook. I tried it. I didn't like it. Mm. That's fair. Yeah, I think when I yeah. when I I listened to the Martin Jarvis audiobook all the way through recently, but when mm. I listened to the Tennant and Sheen audiobook, I just skipped to the places where they said things because it was like, who gives a shit about the narrator? I just want to hear them act out the lines. I'm sad that they cut. 